You'd think that as a video game podcaster and comedian, my life is all fun and games. And honestly, you'd be right. About 90% of the time, it's, it's pretty sweet. But every morning, I deal with something very, very serious. My face. You don't become an Edmonton 6 overnight. It takes work. And in my case, it takes good facial hair. And fortunately, I have a great facial hair tag team partner in Harry's. Hit up harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set and see what I'm talking about. Harry saw the tire fire that the shaving market had become and asked, how did it get like this? Crappy plastic razors, overpriced blades, all locked up like gold bars. And they said, no, we... We can fix this. And damn it, they did. Harry's ships premium quality razors right to your door. About once a month, I check my mail and there's that little box with everything I need to keep my kid presentable status. The blades stay sharp longer, which means an easier time getting my face in order in the morning. And the razors don't look like a dumb piece of plastic that a junior high schooler uses to take care of their peach fuzz. You have the facial hair of a man now. Shave like one. I actually leave my razor handle on the bathroom counter all the time just because it looks so damn classy. Harry's blades are German engineered and they're made to last. They're the best blades on the market for the best price and you don't even have to go out to get them. Set your delivery schedule and shave like a king. I know it sounds sarcastic, but I'm being serious. I've used Harry's forever. These blades are really freaking good. Highest reviews in the industry. A money back guarantee that you're not going to need and a subscription that you can cancel anytime you want. Getting ripped off isn't funny. Switch to Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just 3 bucks at harrys.com slash RTG. That's harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set. everybody welcome back to remember the game it is my retro gaming podcast where every week a buddy of mine and i sit down and we geek out about the games we played back in the day my name is adam blank thank you so much for listening to the show and this week it is episode 129 and for the last episode of the fucking shit show that was 2020 we are going to talk about my main man the underrated original face of playstation crash fucking bandicoot the first game this was his debut game and if you were in gaming in 1996 you probably remember the commercials the hype for a little while like it really seemed like playstation had found it's mario it's sonic it's master chief but then something went very wrong very very wrong and i know crash has his haters uh, but I'm an unapologetic Crash Bandicoot fan. I love the original trilogy. I love the remastered trilogy. I thought Crash Bandicoot 4 was outstanding. And today we're going to go back to where it all started. My buddy and fellow comedian Darren Morris makes his triumphant return to the show, or at least to the phone. Uh, and we spent a good hour or so talking about the ups and downs of Crash Bandicoot. But before we get all that, speaking of ups and downs, it's time for the final Remember the Game infamous intro of 2020 and uh like this whole year was like an intro just fuck me uh and speaking uh uh never forget part of me as always 
That's what I meant to say, not speaking. I'm, it's been a couple of weeks, all right? I'm rusty. Uh, there are timestamps in the description box of this podcast telling you when to skip to if you're only here for Crash Bandicoot Talk or for Play One, Remake One, Erase One or for whatever segment you want. So if you're going to leave me a bad review somewhere, that's fine. But find a better reason than the intro is too long because I've done the work for you, you fucking dinks. Um, first and foremost, I hope that you are having or had a great holiday season, depending on when you listen to this. As I record right now, it is the afternoon of Tuesday, December 29th. Uh, I had a great Christmas, COVID considering, and just shaking off the rust here now. We weren't able to see our family here uh, in Edmonton. It was the rules. Uh, but I just took a week off the podcast, and I just ate too much. I drank too much, played a lot of video games, hung out with my girlfriend. She had the week off, too. It was actually a lot of fun just to, to camp out together and do nothing. Uh, for Christmas dinner, she just made we made like a giant mountain of breakfast food like bacon and eggs and sausage and potatoes and it was oh so good and we just stuffed our faces and watched movies and got a little high and great time man and uh she like i said she was on holidays too which was dope because she works from home most of the year but she works a lot of hours so to just have the week to do whatever she wants and sleep in every morning and just veg with me uh was fucking awesome so uh the break was great uh again happy holidays or whatever you celebrate if you celebrate anything and i hope you all have a happy and safe uh, new year's eve new year's as well um if you're looking for something to do on new year's eve i'm going to be streaming from 8 to 11 p.m mountain standard time because it's thursday and that's what i do on thursday and it's not like we can fucking go anywhere else so but we'll get into all that in a couple more minutes in my plugs um also on the holidays, I did some cleaning up around here of some projects. I finally tinkered under the hood of my Sega Genesis Mini, which was pretty rad. I also finally got almost all of my packages sent out to people that have emailed something to our P.O. box. I write back with some thank you notes and stuff stuff like that. There's one that I haven't sent, and I pray that you are listening. My friend T- Tapio in Finland, I sure hope I pronounced your name right. I cannot figure out your shipping address, and I don't want to screw it up. I don't know how shipping addresses work in Finland. Uh, so if you're listening to this and I really hope you are, please message me on social media on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook, or email me at member at gmail.com. You can find the email address at remember the game confirm your mailing address for me and I'll shoot you back something as a hello and a thank you. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I try to remember to plug it every week, but we have a PO box. You can find the full address on my website, uh, PO box six, nine, one, eight, one Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, T six, V1G7, shoot me a postcard or a letter or just something little and I'll send you a remember the game one back and we'll be pen pals and friends. It'll be cool. Justify me paying for the for the P.O. box. Shoot me a, a postcard. That's all I'm asking for. Um, thanks to everyone that's been sending me stuff. It's fucking really rad. And thank you to everyone that's been checking out my work. The YouTube videos are gone up. We've had a lot of viewers on Twitch. Podcast downloads are up. Game Patch is going really well. If you've been listening to that, thank you so much. If you haven't, it's my weekly modern gaming news podcast where I do what I do here and I swear and I struggle to pronounce words and stuff like that, but I do what we'll talk in PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo Switch instead of talking about an old video game. Uh, so you can find Game Patch wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes go live every single Monday. It's like an hour long, catches you up on all the biggest gaming news so you don't have to worry about it. Or if you don't want to wait until every Monday, sign up for our Patreon and you'll get it three days early. 
You'll get to listen to Game Patch every Friday morning instead of waiting until Monday morning. And I'm telling you guys, my voice is way more tolerable on a Friday than it is first thing on a Monday morning. I think we all can agree on that. So it only costs you two bucks a month. You get a ton of other stuff as well. You get access to our Patreon-exclusive podcast, Expansion Pass. New episodes of that go live every single Sunday. You'll get all the old episodes of it right as soon as you pay for your two bucks as well. There's over 50 episodes now. You can download them onto your phone. And actually... Actually, instead of a standard Remember the Game podcast last week, I actually released an episode of Expansion Pass on free feeds. It was episode number 20. It originally hit our Patreon feeds in August, and uh, I rank my top 20 NES games. It seemed to go over incredibly well based on both the download numbers it received and the feedback. So if you enjoyed that, please consider supporting me on Patreon, and you'll get an episode like that every fucking Sunday. Uh, The last episode that we did of Expansion Pass was our Festivus airing of Gaming Grievances episode, where we all got the stuff that bugs us about gaming off our chests. This weekend, for the first episode of 2020, I think it'll be January 3rd, Sunday. Uh, I think we're going to do gaming resolutions, New Year's gaming resolutions. I really want to do a Game of the Year uh, episode where I give out some awards, but I'm still playing through the final uh, few chapters of Ghost of Tsushima. I don't know. I think that's how you say it. I was saying Tsushima, but in the show, in the game, they call it Tsushima. So I hope I'm saying it right. But Ghost of Tsushima, Tsushima ghost anyway and gears tactics on my xbox as well and i need a little bit more time to finish though so the game of the year episode will probably be the sunday january 10th sunday january 3rd is going to be gaming resolutions uh and then in addition to all the extra podcasts and the early access and all that stuff you can help pick the games we cover here on the podcast you can submit comments to be read on all of them you get access to our discord which is growing and getting a lot of fun and uh most importantly goddammit, you can support remember the game industries and well over 150 of you are doing that right now, including our newest Patreons, that one kid Nick, Potato Bob Guy, and Mad Shibs. Those are three rad names. Thank you all so, so much. Welcome to Remember the Game Industry. So sign up, two bucks, extra podcasts, vote, send in comments, all that stuff. Help keep Remember the Game Industries on the air. Uh, just wait until January 1st to sign up. Because if you sign up now, like if you sign up on December 30th, you'll get charged December 30th, you'll get charged January 1st. If you sign up on January 1st or January 2nd, then you won't get charged again until February 1st. So then you get a full month, plus our Patreon poll runs at the beginning of the month, so that's the best time to sign up. So please consider it, you guys. Um, the support that I've seen this year... Uh, has been absolutely wild. We've grown like crazy in 2020. I'm going to be publishing a blog or something in the coming days, breaking down how 2020 went and my plans for 2021 with the show. Uh, I want to keep growing this thing and I can't do it without your help. So thank you all so, so much. Bigger, better as we take over the retro gaming world in 2021. And then finally, as I always plug, uh, I'm back to Twitch. I took a few days off after my 24-hour stream, but I'll be back to Twitch this week, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sunday nights from 8 to 11 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Look for Member the Game on Twitch. Not Remember the Game. Member the Game on Twitch. Come say hi. It's a lot of fun. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I did my 24-hour charity stream for Extra Life. Thank you so much for everyone that came by and or donated. Uh, my goal was 1000 bucks, and we ended up raising almost $4,200 for the Stollery Children's Hospital here in Edmonton, which is fucking sick. So thank you all. I've emailed everyone that donated at least 20 bucks uh, to confirm your names and emails for my prize draws. We're going to be doing those in early January. I want to give everyone time to check your email. Uh, so if you donated, please keep an eye on your email so you can write back and let me know if you wanted to the draws or not and who you are and what your email address 
addresses and thank you so so much again um what are we at here nine minutes and then the music i'm gonna put into it i'll put it up to almost 10 minutes that's enough that's enough blowing myself let's blow some of you guys let's blow some cartridges it is the opening segment of the show i read a few comments and questions from our patreons usually gaming related but not always and we call this segment blowing in the cartridge and the first blow of this week is peebs and peebs wrote into us on patreon and said dear rambling idiot i fucking shout out i love that uh peeps said dear rambling idiot myself and a couple of my friends have noticed issues recently with our playstation 4s there's noticeably more lag and issues with logging into things like ea is there an issue with the recent update or is sony trying to convince us all to buy playstation 5s hmm (laughs) that's a good question peeps is sony is sony pulling an apple here and just letting their last gen products break down so that you have to upgrade I don't know. I don't, I don't, like, I don't want to 100% say yes, because I would like to believe that Sony wouldn't do that. Plus, it's not like you can just go down to Walmart and buy a PlayStation 5 right now. We all know PS5 has been on the market for like a month and a half, and you still can't fucking get one anywhere. So it would make more sense for them to do something like that if they knew that there were PS5s available to everyone. That said, I I don't think this is impossible either. I got I'm not putting on a tinfoil hat here. I guess I am, but I don't, I don't know if Sony is slowing PlayStation 4s down on purpose, but I would buy the idea that companies are not spending as much time or money or resources on servers and things like that for last-gen consoles because eventually they are going to want you to upgrade, right? Um, for what it's worth, I have been playing a ton of Ghost of Tsushima on my PlayStation 4. It doesn't sound right. Tsushima sounds better, but it's anyway. I've been playing a ton of that on my PS4 and it's been running great. But uh, but you mentioned the EA servers in particular. I have no experience with the EA servers, but I have zero doubt in my mind that EA doesn't give a fuck. And they'll probably offer you an upgraded subscription that you have to find in a loot box or something to make it work soon because EA can fuck themselves. Uh, so I don't know. I, I don't think the PS4 is designed to stop working after a couple of years like smartphones are, I think. Like that's been proven, I think, that smartphones stop working properly after a couple of years. I don't think that's the case with the PS4. But I do think you're going to see less support and as servers and things like that start dealing with more current gen consoles, the last gen console support is going to get worse and worse and worse and people are not going to make much of an effort to fix it. So maybe it's a little bit of both. Uh, But thanks, peeps. Happy New Year, buddy, to you and yours. And uh, I hope your PlayStation 4 continues to work to some extent. Uh, Dave McGee, one of the old school hot dogs wrote into us and said, I was just wondering what your gaming drink of choice is. Me, it differs. If I'm playing a looter shooter, I tend to find a nice sipping whiskey. Uh, but if I'm old school platforming, I tend to get me an ice cold brewski. Uh, you're singing my song, Dave McGee. Uh, but to be honest, like it's, it's a lame answer to be honest. My go-to drink for gaming is coffee or club soda or ice water. I almost always have one of those i drink a lot of coffee i almost always have one of those drinks handy while i'm playing games but if we're talking uh grown-up drinks like big people drinks uh beer if it's in the house but i prefer i don't keep a lot of beer in the house my girlfriend doesn't drink it very much i stick i'm a whiskey guy but whiskey on the rocks is my go-to for sure not just with with gaming but with just about anything um and for those of you wondering i don't think i've got a definitive brand but either Wiser's uh, or Jack Daniels are probably the top of my list. Just Wiser's or Jack Daniels on the rocks. That's, mm. I actually prefer a puff to a drink when I'm playing games these days. But then I eat too much. So 
Anyway, yeah, man. Now, ah, fuck, I could go for a whiskey right now. Anyway, Happy New Year, McGee. Thank you for writing in, my man. Uh, Raging Demon wrote into us on Patreon and said, On the Switch, maybe you've talked about this, but what do you think Nintendo should or will do? Will they improve the hardware? Should they just keep riding this wave? Or do you think a new console is in the cards? I personally love the hybrid idea. The Switch is my favorite console at the moment, but I don't want it to become a Game Boy. I would like to see them beef up the specs sometime this year. They could continue to release Nintendo IP for the base specs and have higher end games as well for the new version would love to know your thoughts on this cheers adam uh that's a good question raging demon for like because the thing about it is like and we've talked about this on game patch for quite a while rumors have been floating around that nintendo's gonna release a switch pro with some beefier hardware in it uh in early 2021 and nintendo actually not long ago came out and denied that um i still think it happens maybe not in early 2021 but before whatever their next console is because they actually just said they're only at the half they consider themselves at the halfway point of the switch's lifespan so before we get the super switch or whatever their next full out console is i do think we'll get a pro version of the standard nintendo switch and i know some people hate that and i know it's going to piss some people off but that's just that's what gaming is now right we got a new 3ds the ps4 got the, P- the ps4 pro the xbox one got the xbox one x the mid uh life cycle console life cycle upgrade is just part of gaming now um but at the same time like you guys the switch is selling like fucking fire after four years and now it's up against the ps5 and the xbox series x and it's still selling like crazy so maybe they don't have to put all that money and marketing and everything into a more powerful console like maybe they are good with just riding out what they've got for the next few years i don't think they'll ever get away from a hybrid uh system like i mean the switch Lite is different because you can't dock it and maybe they'll release something like that but i i can't foresee them ever getting away from a console that's portable and um dock and put on the tv now because it's just proven to be such a successful concept i think people would be livid if they released something that was just handheld and i think people would be really really disappointed if they released something that was just on tv again so i think they'll stick with this forever um i gotta be honest like i actually thought 2020 kind of sucked for the nintendo switch i love my switch very very much but they're like there's been shades of the Wii U with it this year with just a few big titles releasing lots of great little indie titles and stuff but for big AAA titles like Animal Crossing carried 2020 for them and I don't think they can get away with that again they need more big AAA games and I don't know if upgrading the console is going to get them for them right like even let's just say they 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 release like a Switch Pro in 2021 that's just a ridiculous upgrade like they they just completely revamp the power that's in the nintendo switch it still isn't going to come anywhere close to the playstation 5 or an xbox series x so it's not like they're going to get those games anyway do you know what i'm saying like i i would like to see nintendo just keep on keeping on just just don't worry about being the big powerful horse give us something that works like they do give us something well except for the joy cons give us something portable that, that that works and then just give us more big nintendo games right i desperately want a new mario kart we know breath of the wild 2 is coming pokemon snap is coming bayonetta 3 is coming metroid prime 4 is coming until it stops working just keep going if it's not broken don't fix it fix your fucking joy cons and the eShop. but that's it um like, I love my Nintendo Switch. If they release a Switch Pro, I'll certainly upgrade. But if they don't, I'm totally cool with what my launch Switch is capable of as long as you keep giving me games to play on it. Uh, so that's a great question, Demon. Thank you for writing in. Happy New Year. And then finally, actually on the topic of Nintendo, Nintendo games and the Nintendo Switch, it's letter time. It's letter time. 
And uh, John Quack wrote it. Quack. There's my puberty thing. Hang on a minute here. I'm out of shape. I'm out of throat shape. Take that sound bite and do with it as you will. John Quack wrote into us on Patreon and said, I'm just wanting your take on Nintendo's game pricing. I picked up a Switch for the family for Christmas, and I have a hard time bringing myself to pay 80 bucks for a game that's been on the market for two plus years. I'm looking at you, Smash Brothers. Would it not make more sense to have more people enjoy your games, especially two years later? For the sake of math, let's say that they sell 100 copies at 80 bucks. That's eight grand. You could also cut the price to $40 and tell 200 plus copies and make the same money. Maybe I'm off base here, but I wish they'd follow the pricing model of their competition a bit. I understand that they still sell like gangbusters with their model, but as a consumer, it's difficult to get behind. So now a few people weighed in on this on Patreon where John posted it. A few people replied in the comments. I actually ran polls on Twitter and Instagram asking people about this too. Like, do you think Nintendo should be dropping the price of their older games? And the answers were about 60, 40, 65, 35 in favor of, yeah, they should support them. Here's the thing. I, I think you answered your own question, John. Like near the end of your comment, you said, quote, I understand that they still sell like gangbusters, end quote. That's why they're not going to drop their prices. That's why they don't drop their prices, right? If you if you had something, and this isn't just John, this is anybody. If you had a product, something you created that people were buying for 80 bucks a pop, Canadian, that's what games are worth here. If you had something that people were buying for 80 bucks a pop and it was selling like crazy, would you drop the price to $40? Like, of course you wouldn't, right? If no one was buying it, then that would be different. But if everyone's buying it and they're selling like crazy, and I'm going to get into the proof in the pudding in a minute that they are selling like crazy, there's just no reason to discount it. Of course you wouldn't. And I get that people don't like it. I completely understand it. But it's business. You know, part of me wishes that the games were cheaper too. I buy almost every big Nintendo game that comes out. And that is what I do with a lot of particularly PlayStation games because Xbox, I just play on Game Pass. But with PlayStation, if I've got to play it like Final Fantasy VII Remake or Last of Us 2, then I I bite the bullet. I shell out full pop. But if it's something that I I just want to get around to eventually, I know that if I wait a year, I can get it for 20 bucks. I'll wait. I I am one of those people. I'm a cheap piece of shit, frankly. Um, And I would love to be able to do that with Nintendo. But I also like and somewhat respect the fact that it's not an option. And there's a couple reasons for that. A... The games I buy for my Nintendo Switch keep their value. So if I want to sell one or trade one in when I'm done, I know I can still get a decent price for it. I'm not going to put it on Kijiji, a game that I paid 80 bucks for and get $20. Like you can, you know, like for argument's sake, I'm looking at a physical copy of Breath of the Wild right now, which is a part of me, which is a launch Nintendo Switch game. And if I went on Kijiji, I could sell a thing for 50 bucks in a day. And for those of you that don't know what Kijiji is, that's like Craigslist. I guess it's just here in Canada. I didn't know that before. Um, So that's one thing is they hold their value. So if you ever want to sell it, you still have something that's worth some money. And I like that. Number two, Nintendo knows that their games are worth something. And I, I respect, I truly respect that. As a comedian, I could undercut myself as a comic and take cheaper prices to get more bookings. But I'm like, no, I know what my act is worth. Pay me what I'm worth or I'm not, you don't get to see my act. And that's, I know it's a stupid comparison, but I, I respect the fact that Nintendo kind of feels like that, you know? I don't fault other developers like like Naughty Dog for selling Uncharted 4 for 10 bucks years after it came out. I have no problem with that. But I respect that a company like Nintendo is like, no, Mario Kart 8, Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, Smash Brothers are high quality titles. We're the only place you can get them. And we think that the price should reflect that. And I, I can respect that concept, right? And the thing about it is like Mario Kart 8, 
which is a port of a Wii U game, so that game's like six, seven years old now, sold more physical copies in 2020 than it did in 2019, and it's still full price. So people are clearly going to pay full pop, right? They actually just released Amazon, the United States, Amazon US's top 10 selling games for the year. I just posted it on all my social media. I get into it more on Game Patch this week, but eight of the 10 best-selling games at Amazon in the United States this year were Nintendo Switch exclusives. Eight of the top 10. And those games included Mario Kart, Super Smash Brothers, and Breath of the Wild, which are all several years old. So I understand it bugs some of you. Like I said, I'm a consumer too. I'm a cheap piece of shit. I would love to pay less. But I... Honestly, I respect that Nintendo knows what they're worth, and based on the fact that eight or nine of the top 20 selling games every month are Nintendo Switch games, people are willing to pay full price for these. So, And, and I can sit here and argue that these games are worth full price, which, which frankly, I think they are. You guys know I'm a Nintendo homer. I'm also quick to criticize them when necessary, but I'm a Nintendo homer. I do think those games are worth full price. Uh, that said, I, I, I very rarely hesitate to plunk down my money for a Nintendo game for that reason. I know I'm going to get a quality product that works as advertised. You're not going to get a Cyberpunk 2077 from Nintendo. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's... it's, um, Yeah, that's, that's really all it comes down to, right? I, I'm not going to say the reason they don't get discounted is because they're quality games. There are tons of quality games that you can get for... Ten, again, Uncharted 4, great game. You can get it for like 10 bucks. They don't get discounted because people keep buying them. That That's the... That's the proof that's in the pudding. It's the cut and dry answer. If two years after Breath of the Wild came out, no one was buying it anymore, they probably would have discounted it. But it's still showing up on best-selling game lists every month after almost four years uh, since it came out. So why sell your product for 20 bucks when people will pay you 80 bucks? Maybe it's not a popular take. I understand that. But that's the long and short of it. When they go on sale, get on it and buy them or, or buy them used. Those are your options, right? And remember when I said that when you resell it, you can get 50 bucks for that game instead of 10 bucks. So buy one used, finish it, then flip it for what you paid for it. You probably can because those games hold your value. Anyway, so that's what I think about that. Happy New Year, John, to you and your family. Thank you for writing in. Uh, That is all the blowing this week, you guys. This is going to be a long intro. Let's get into our smash hit segment. Play one, remake one, erase one. As always, a huge thank you to Classic Concentration from the Nintendo Entertainment System for unknowingly providing us with our theme music for the show. Uh, the rules are simple. You guys know how it works. Every week, I give our listeners three retro video games. They can play one the same way it was released. They can remake one as a modern game. And the third game is a race from time forever. And this week, uh, we're talking sequels. Three sequels, three good, three great sequels that I actually played on my 24-hour Twitch stream, so I thought it'd be a great way to tie them all together. Uh, So this is officially the games I played on my 24-hour stream that end in the number two edition, and our contenders this week are Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and Mega Man 2. And for all of you yelling at me that it was too hard this week, it's supposed to be hard, all right? I can't list two gems and a dud each week, because then the segment would suck. I want you all to lose sleep 
over these choices. I want this to be the hardest decision of your week. And as always, there's no wrong answers. There is a correct answer. I'll tell you what that is in just a minute. And thank you, as always, to everyone that played. We got a ton of replies this week. And then I posted it on social media and social media fucking blew up too. People were arguing and it just, I can't possibly read all of them. I'm going to read a bunch. This could be a little bit of a long one. Get comfy. I think this is, some weeks it's very hard to come up with the three games. This one, I think I nailed it because this one was fucking tough and very different answers from people. So let's get going. Our first contestant this week is KMR Live who said, see, this isn't even fair. Now you're just being a dick. (laughs) And that's that that was their answer. So I what a great start. I would love to see someone walk off the set of like Wheel of Fortune or something and as they're walking away just say to Pat Sajak like this isn't fair, you're a dick. I fucking pay to see that. You <laughs> you don't get the home version, KMR, you lose. But good answer. Michael Mathis wrote into us and said, "Keep Mega Man 2 the way it is. It's fun with an amazing soundtrack." Remake Donkey Kong Country 2 because the graphics could be cleaned up a little. The controls could be a bit tighter as well. And then Erase Sonic 2. We've seen a bunch of Sonic games since, and they all seem kind of, eh. I wouldn't lose any sleep pulling the Switch on Sonic. Uh, So as you're about to see, guys, Sonic is the black sheep this week. The most, I don't know if a black sheep is the term. He's the polarizing figure of the game this week. I really thought that... I didn't know what I expected. I guess I thought more people would write him off. Some people really stuck up for the blue ball and his stupid freak fox friend. Others were like, fuck Sonic. He seems to be the controversial one here. Um, And for the record, I also struggled to pick my order this week. I know I shit on Sega sometimes, but I like Sonic. The rules state, however, that you have to erase something. So well played, Mathis. Well played. Trevor Hillier wrote into us and said, play Mega Man 2 because it's perfect as is. As much as I'd love to see it in Mega Man 11 graphics, it doesn't need it. Remake Donkey Kong Country 2 into a tropical freeze looking game because that would look and play amazing. Erase Sonic 2 because I was never a Sega kid and I have no nostalgia for it, even though I do enjoy it now, thanks to the Genesis collection. I gotta say, Trevor, I did not think about making Donkey Kong Country 2 look like tropical freeze. Which, which I'm fucking telling you guys is one of the most underrated platformers of the last decade. Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze is fantastic. And if you're like, it's too hard, get good. That's how the kids do it, right? That's what you all fucking do to me on Twitch. Get good. So, yeah. I would also love to see Mega Man 2 and Mega Man 11 graphics. Fucking A, Trevor. Good job. Uh, what else do we got here? Let me see. Gary C wrote into us and said, come on, this is ridiculous. I cannot erase any of these three games and there's no point in remaking them either. You could argue all three have been remade, reimagined already with Sonic Mania, Donkey Kong Country Returns, Mega Man Wily Wars. So I'm going to play all of them exactly as they are. Damn the rules. Your long time hot dog around these parts, Gary, but to spit on the sacred parchment of the play one, remake one, erase one rules is a felony. I'd remember the game industry, so you're fucking banned. Fucking banned, Gary. Vincent L. wrote in, Short, sweet, and to the point. Play Sonic 2, it's perfect as it is. Remake Donkey Kong Country 2, I wouldn't mind an updated version. Erase Mega Man 2, there are other good Mega Man games out there. And here's the thing, and Vincent nails this. This is always going to be the divisive thing about putting a Mega Man game on Play 1, Remake 1, Erase 1. There's fucking 10 more. If you take one of the original 11, 
there's 10 more games. Like, so, I mean, you're, you're banned, Vincent, for erasing Mega Man. That's a sin in my house. But, but the logic behind it is sound enough. There's always going to be another Mega Man game. So I can get that. Brian Ransom wrote in and said, Adam, don't automatically erase Sonic because it's an old feud. But here's my take. Play Sonic 2. As much as I love Sonic and love to see this game get remade, I want to see Sega keep it as it is with several bad titles in the Sonic franchise. It makes me nervous that they'll do something to butcher it. <laughs> I like that. Remake Mega Man 2. I think more enhanced graphics and a Final Fantasy VII style of combat to re- enhance the platforming aspect and boss battles would make this amazing. And then Erase Donkey Kong Country 2. I never played any Donkey Kong games, so I don't really have any special connection to the franchise. Now, what made me smile about Brian's answer is don't remake Sonic because you fucked up a bunch of his games and you'll fuck this one up too. I love that. I love that take. I don't think anyone's ever said don't remake this game because you'll just fuck it up. I like that. Ryan Bayshore wrote in, play Mega Man 2, remake Donkey Kong, erase Sonic. Mega Man 2 is my second favorite of the series, and I still think it's one of the most important entries in one of my personal favorite series. Donkey Kong Country 2 is an awesome game, introduced lots of cool stuff like tag team attacks and tag team attacks and Dixie's hair. Uh, It'd be sick in HD remake. Sonic 2, girl, I love you, Sonic, but this is just not it. Boo. (laughs) Stick to Mania and Sonic 3 and Knuckles. I actually would love to see the entire Donkey Kong Country trilogy get remastered uh, with cleaned up graphics, uh, Ryan. I, I, I can get on board with that. I love those games. Um, Charlie also said, uh, my remake, Charlie M wrote in and said, my remake would go to Donkey Kong because all those games should get the tropical freeze treatment. Play Sonic. All the 3D Sonics and Sonic Mania prove that this series is best in 2D or 2.5D. And uh, I lost my spot in my notes here. Which means I have to sacrifice Mega Man, but hear me out, Mega Man still exists as a franchise, even if this particular version doesn't exist, so it lives on in different forms. But Sonic 2 needs to exist because it's the best Sonic, and it needs to be there as competition to Nintendo. It saved Sega. Nintendo might not exist, or exist in a crappier state, if not for Sonic 2. Yeah, Sony came later, but imagine if it took that long for Nintendo to have competition. You know what? I can get behind your logic, Charlie. Uh, Like Sonic games or not, he's right. Gaming needed Sonic in the 90s. If Sonic 2 doesn't drop, what does gaming look like today? We always debate, like, if you erase a game, what happens to the rest of the series? But in this case, if you erase Sonic 2, what happens to the industry? That's That would make a good Expansion Pass episode. What if Sonic never existed? Hmm. Well played. Well played, Charlie. Um, Okay, a couple more. And we're going to put this to bed. Uh, G9PSX wrote in and said, this is a stroll in the park. Play Mega Man 2. I played this for the first time a couple months ago, thanks to your unwillingness to shut the hell up about Mega Man. And it was simple enough to play, but difficult enough to be engaged in. Playing a 32-year-old game for the first time and not once thinking about the age is pretty impressive. Remake Sonic 2. I was five when this came out and I've played it beyond I've played it beyond its own death. I still fire my Mega Drive once a month purely with the intention of playing this. I've got my completion time down to 31 minutes now. The only issue with it is that it'd be fixed with a, that could be fixed with a remake is the ability to zoom out a little so you can see the world a bit better as you speed through it and then delete Donkey Kong Country 2 because fuck him, I never played it. <laughs> oh, saying fuck him to Donkey Kong gets my fucking blood boiling, friend. Like, oh, oh. But I really do like the idea of zooming out Sonic so you can see a little more of the level because that fucking game makes me so goddamn mad as some of you that saw on the Twitch stream when I fucking played it. So... 
Uh, okay, we're going to take this home. James Clark. This is fucked up, man. Great games. I guess I can live without Sonic. The world around me be slightly duller. The contrast would be whacked out, but I could get used to it. I'd play Donkey Kong because those SNES games are pure gold. And I'd remake Mega Man 2, bring it to life with current-gen graphics. Um, or no. Yeah, bring it to life with a current-gen graphics, but for fuck's sakes, don't make it open world. Maybe do in the style of Final Fantasy VII Remake where there's enough area to get in trouble, but not enough to overwhelm. Hmm. Mega Man 7, or pardon me, Mega Man 2 in the Final Fantasy VII Remake style. That's bold, James. Every time they let Mega Man and his friends talk, it sounds fucking horrible. But I do like the way you think, my friend. As does Badger, our final one this week. They call me Badger wrote in and said, play Donkey Kong 2. This game is perfect. Don't change a thing. Remake Mega Man 2. I love the retro look, but a new coat of paint uh, would make the game even more appealing to look at. Erase Sonic because fuck him. That's why. <laughs> Thanks, Badger. There's a lot of because fuck him on the show this week. I like that. I like that you guys have a little bit of edge this week. And I gotta be honest, I agree with James and I agree with Badger. I would play Donkey Kong Country 2. I literally just played it and I fucking adore it. The entire trilogy of Donkey Kong Country is is perfect. I love all three of those games. I still think they look great today. I would play that. I'd remake Mega Man 2, and I wouldn't get crazy with it. I wouldn't I wouldn't go Final Fantasy 7 remake. I would just give it the Mega Man X treatment. Just better graphics, better music, make the Robot Masters bigger, badder looking. I love this game. I just want it to look prettier. Plus, Mega Man 3 is better. It, I know, it is. So we could play that instead. And then I'd erase Sonic 2. Not because fuck them. Okay, well, I kind of fuck them. But because I just, I don't, like it that much like it's it's a fine game the quality is there it's pretty it's actually fun to play but i will die on the hill that sonic 2 is is more of a glorified tech demo showing off what the genesis can do than it is a crisp precise platformer i'm not trying to throw shade at sonic but as long as i have sonic mania Every other Sonic game can do whatever it wants because Sonic Mania is the ground, the crown jewel of that series. If if we didn't have Sonic Mania, if that game didn't exist, then I might have erased Mega Man 2 because, again, we have 10 more and I would have remade Sonic 2 into Sonic Mania. But anyway, uh, so that's my answer. Thanks to all you that played. I'm so sorry I couldn't read everybody. We got so many. I try every week to put new people in. Uh, keep playing, okay? And fuck me, we're at almost 40 minutes. What have I been playing? And then we'll talk some Crash Bandicoot uh, over the holidays. I've been playing, as I mentioned, a lot of Ghost of Tsushima. I, I fuck, I hope I'm saying it right. I'm going to say it like that from now on. But um, I fucking love it. I, I, I rarely put four or five hour sessions into games, like play for that long. And I've put several of those into Ghost over the last couple of weeks. It is, I fucking love it. Uh, I also started playing Gears Tactics on my Xbox Series X, and I think people are sleeping on that game, man. I love tactical games. I love Gears of War. It has been fucking excellent. I actually like it a lot more than I liked Wasteland 3, and I was really into that for a while, but Gears Tactics is so much smoother, crisper, and and better. I love it. Uh, I also started playing Super Meat Boy on my Switch because it was on sale. I love difficult platformers, and I've never really put that much time into the Meat Boy games in the past. It's really dope. It's like five bucks Canadian on the Switch right now as well. So if you like tough as nails platformers that will kill you over and over and over again, but they instantly respawn you when they kill you, highly recommend checking out Meat Boy. 
And then I'm still plugging away a Tetris effect connected on my Xbox because I want 100% it and it's fucking excellent. And that's that's basically what I've been playing over the last week and a half. Um, and that's a long enough intro. Let's get into Crash Bandicoot talk. I like to give you nerds a chance to share some of your thoughts on the games before I indulge myself and I ramble for a while. Uh, Starro, Starro Probin, fuck, I know I don't see your goddamn name right, wrote in and said, loved this game. It was fun, colorful, very challenging. I never did get to finish it. Uh, nailed it. Nailed it, Starro. I, I also just... There's something about the colors and how bright and vibrant the Crash Bandicoot games are that always gets my attention. And it is also pretty damn hard, which is how I like it. Uh, again, do it whatever you want with that quote. So Yamcha wrote in and said, I love this game. It was one of the first 3D platformers I remember playing as a kid. I love the enemies and how quirky they are. The death animations, collecting all the fruit, smashing boxes. It has a banging soundtrack. PlayStation's face character for the longest time. Crash Bandicoot is a classic forever in my eyes. Fucking A. I agree with you, Yamcha. I think there's an interesting debate to be had about who the face of PlayStation is these days, no doubt. For a while, it was Crash Bandicoot. Like it or not, it was. We talked about that on the show here in a minute. Makeshift Money wrote in and said, Call me traditionalist, but compared to Mario and Sonic, Crash just comes off as an obnoxious excuse of a mascot. And don't worry, I'm choking on my own irony here. Um, I mean, you certainly can't... Here's the thing is, like, I love Crash. But you can't argue that Crash is not a Sonic or a Mario. As much as I like him, I kind of agree that he, he felt a little forced back in the day. Someone called him the Poochie of gaming mascots. And my apologies, I can't remember who said that. And I I, I kind of agree. Um, I, I think his games are underrated. But yeah, he, he tried a little too hard in the 90s. I can get on board with that. And then my boy Todd wrote in and said, dude, this was the first game I bought with my own money and my first game on the PS1 that wasn't a demo disc. I feel like it still holds up today. I still play it regularly. Not sure if this used to happen elsewhere, but PS1 games used to go platinum here in Oz if they were bestsellers. And this was the first with a silver color, pardon me, with a silver cover, nothing but good feels. You know what? Yeah, Todd, we had something like that here in North America with like bestsellers on the PlayStation, but we didn't get silver. They got like bright green do you guys remember that like where it says playstation on the side of the uh, front manual cover it would be green instead of black um it was like a greatest hits thing uh yeah fuck hey that's oh man that just gave me some nostalgia but i agree with you todd i think that crash bandicoot is still playable today we're gonna talk about that right now let's cue up that music my buddy and fellow comedian Darren and I had a very long chat about Crash Bandicoot a few weeks ago, and I'm going to let y'all listen into it right now as we talk about the very first Crash Bandicoot game, which originally released in North America on the original PlayStation on September 9th, 1996. Let's go. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Podcasting's a weird job because I talk to you nerds all the time. Every day, I tell you all about my life, the good and the bad. The ugly... I kind of keep that offline. And it's not that I don't want to talk about it. I'd love to talk about it. I just need to pick and choose who I talk to. We all have stuff that just lives in our minds, rent-free, 24-7. Talking about them can really help because the longer you keep something bottled up, the more likely it is to blow. You've heard me say it before and you're going to keep hearing me say it. Therapy is the way. Therapists can be that ear to bend when you really need to get something off your chest and don't know who to talk to. And better help is a great way to go about it. I don't BS you guys. I don't say I've used something if I've never used it. I've personally talked to a BetterHelp therapist about the stuff going on in my personal life, and I genuinely found it helpful. To have someone to talk to that doesn't have any skin in the game, that can just listen and try to help me come up with a roadmap to get through the tough times, 
It's just invaluable. It has seriously really helped me. I've talked to my therapist through video and you can do it that way or you can do it over the phone or even just over chat and they give you as many schedule options as possible so you can work a session in around your life. It's licensed therapy as convenient as it gets. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Remember the Game today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Remember the Game. Okay, so after literally after about a half a dozen reschedules, primary well not primarily all on my end, uh, I am finally joined on the on the bat phone here by my guest this week a good buddy of mine from the great city of calgary a gamer nerd just like the rest of us my pal darren morris how's it going buddy hey i'm good good you i'm great thank you fucking dude thank you for your patience because you've been ready to do this podcast about five times and i just keep pushing you (laughs) off so thank you for being a saint you're a good man yeah no problem i i can only do it i can only assume that part of the patient like one of the things that helped you develop the patience you've needed to deal with me is playing Fucking Crash Bandicoot. That's a, that's, <laughs> oh a, that's a money segue right there. Fucking that's an money. awesome segue. Money. Well, I mean, the first few levels are like easy, and then they're like, oh, this is good. And then before you know it, you're like, what, what, what am I doing? Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, I know exactly. That's an awesome segue, and I shouldn't have said anything. I wrecked it. No, no, no that's it okay. I, dude, I wreck all of them because when I land a good one, I point it out instead of just like <laughs> being the cool guy and walking away. I'm like, do you guys see what I did there? I fucking segued that. <laughs> Um, but no, yeah, you're right. Remember that time I said that? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, this, this, like, so we are, we are talking the original Crash Bandicoot. Uh, I'm not going to BS you guys. There's certainly an above average chance that we bleed into the other Crash Bandicoot games. When we covered Crash 3 about a year ago on the show, I'm sure we bled into the first two. They all, like, I, to this moment, Darren, if you showed me, like, a level and you were like, what game, which of the trilogy is this level from? I probably couldn't tell you. Like, they're very similar <laughs> video games. Especially with the first two. Yes. Yeah, the third one, when they kind of get into time travel and all the weird stuff or whatever it is, then it gets a little different. But you're right. The first two games are, like, I don't mean to disrespect them because I love these games, but, like, it almost, like, Mario 1 and Mario 2 stand out, Sonic 1 and Sonic 2 stand out, Crash 1 and Crash 2, it almost feels like they just took the that tracing paper and put it on top of the first game and then just drew it a little better and released it again. Like, well, if it's not broke, why fix it? You know, great. Look, look, look what happens when they got a little bit creative with the like uh, PS2 and Xbox versions of the game. I, do, yeah, I, I gotta say, like, I have not like the only Crash Bandicoot games I've played are the original trilogy, the remasters of the original trilogy, and now the new one. I haven't played any of the other ones, but like, I've I've never seen a good thing said about those games. Oh, the the, the like 360 PS2 ones, yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have you have you played them? Great. Uh, I played the Twin Sanity one, and I played the uh, Mind Over Mutant, and it was like, it was almost more like the open world kind of like Mario sixty four garbage one that oh, I don't like. Fuck. Like it's kind of like whereas what I like about like the first two three or I guess like one two and three and even like the fourth one they just released. What I like about those is like 
it kind of has like it's structured it's 3d but it's not and the other ones is just you're all over the place and it's a mess yeah so okay so that's a great uh thing to start on this with because like okay so like i know that there are people out there that are not crash bandicoot fans i found that out the hard way when i tried streaming the new crash game and and half the people that came by the stream yelled at me for playing crash i was like i had no (laughs) idea he was as polarizing in the gaming community as he is uh, I'm just going to state for the record, even though I've said it many, many times, like I'm a pretty big fan. Like I, I love his good platforming games. And what I love the most, I think of everything about them is what you just said, Darren is like, they're, they're, I don't know what the technical term is, but it's like, they're two and a half D like they're 3d, but they're not, there's no controlling the camera. None of that garbage or very, very little control. I guess in the new one, you control it a touch. But for the most part, like that camera is always either right behind you or you're doing this side scrolling thing, but it feels like you're or moving. even coming towards you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they, they, they pretty much, they, they decide what uh, perspective of the camera is going to be and you just go with it. Like it's, uh, but it makes those levels like feel that much more different when it's like, oh, I'm on a side scrolling here. Oh, I'm now moving up into the distance or I'm being chased by a dinosaur or whatever. Like they're all kind of, uh, they make they make each level a little bit more unique, but they give you that sense that there's it's a more advanced game than it might actually be. Yeah, I think yeah, like it's not to shit on on Crash, but like I do feel like there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors with these games, where they make you think you're playing a more advanced game than you are. But like having because I just played Sonic Adventure about a month ago for the first time, the Dreamcast game. <laughs> Eh, fuck me i've i've already yelled about that fucking game but playing like the crash games like i've just finished playing the new one and i'm like dude this this camera like the way that these levels are designed to me this would make a great sonic game like like the way that you're kind of like you know how every single level in crash you kind of have walls on both sides of you and you can't really get off of them do you know what i mean like you're running away from the camera for most of the time it's funny you mentioned the Sonic thing because I was actually going to talk about one of the things I wrote down for like the notes of what I wanted to mention was like there's very few games that like this was when did this debut like 1996 or something like yeah, that 96 yeah 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 so it's like since 96 there's been very few games that have actually even followed this type of like platform camera kind of thing but one of the ones I did mention is like some of the versions of like the 3D Sonic games sort of do. Yeah. Like when you think about like the Sonic Generations, like 3D version where you're like, it's similar in that you're either running away or it's coming towards you or like that, that kind of thing. So the only games I could really come up with that are like actually similar with the wall where it's like 3D, but you're very much uh, structured in where you can and can't go is the only ones I could come up with were like Sonic and maybe like, I don't know if you ever played the knack games for the PS4. No, I didn't. But it's like, but it's like the only ones I can really think of where it's like that kind of like perspective with the camera. Like I'm surprised more video game creators haven't like utilized this thing that crash bandicoot does. Cause I know we talked about Spyro before, but Spyro is more like the open world ish kind of 3d thing where, um, you you have a lot more freedom of where you go where this one's you can pretty much go forward or backwards yeah yeah and i dude and i fucking i love it because like i've never hidden the fact that like i'm not the world's biggest 3d platforming fan i've come around on them like i recently replayed mario 64 and i don't hate it as much as i used to um but i just i just prefer my my platformers in 2d that's just that's just who like that's all my favorite platformers are 2d platformers and the way that crash does this like there's the odd moment and we'll get into that where i feel like that computer or that camera kind of fucks me over and stuff like that but for the most part like i really 
I, I agree with you. I'm floored that more people didn't copy this model. Like when, when Mario 64 came out, they just, that was the blueprint for a, a platformer moving forward. You know what I mean? Like until we went back to just basic side scrolling 2d platformers, everyone was what? trying to emulate Mario 64. And what came out first? Was it this or Mario 64? I, ooh, someone's yelling at us right now because we don't know. I, yeah, I, about, I, 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 I want to say crash might've, I don't know. I might be wrong. They'd be very close. Cause um, crash came out. I'm just looking here, September, 1996. And I know Mario 64 was right around then too. But even if that's the case, like, because it came out close to when Mario 64 came out, June 23rd, 1996 was Mario 64. So, like, two months. Oh, so they're both already, like, they were already well in production of what yeah. they were going to do. Yeah, they, they weren't, yeah. So one wasn't influenced by the other. Not at all. But what's crazy is that, like, so this first one comes out, and when they decide to make the sequel, I don't, and I, and I honestly, like, I'm talking out of my ass. I don't know if it was, like, they didn't have the money to completely revamp the entire engine. I don't know if the powers that be at Naughty Dog or whoever, or Sony or whoever, were like, yo, we need another one of these. Fucking make that again or what. But, like, I, I actually tip my hat to them for not throwing away the design they came up with and switching to, like, a more Mario 64, Banjo-Kazooie-style engine because they could have. And I think people would have understood. I don't know if it would have worked or not, but people would have been like, yeah, of course they did that. That's like the model now. But they stuck with their model. And I agree with you, dude. Like I've played very few games that are this kind of on the rails, almost 3D. And like, I fucking love it. And firing up the new one, Crash 4 and playing it, which you said you've played it too, eh? The new yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. It's Me so too. Good. It's fucking, it's it's just like this, but better. And I'm like, I love that fucking, I, ad, like, I really admire that fucking camera style. Like, it's so much fun to play. I love when you're running away from the camera, like most of the game. I really enjoy it when it kind of, and it does it so smoothly where it kind of naturally transitions into a side-scrolling platformer and then you're just going like left to right or right to left or whatever and they find ways to do it that are so smooth you know in the original games like there was more of like when they would take you off to a bonus level or whatever um yeah but, yeah, yeah but they or the, or the whole level is the one way as it is like, yeah the whole and, level is either a side scroller or it's yeah yeah and they both play equally well in my opinion like i think maybe the side scrolling works a little better but that might just be my personal preference of side scrolling but uh the, the only camera that i even have a slight beef with is when he's coming at you like he's running away from something. And I love those segments, but I, they do frustrate me on occasion because they kind of... I think that's Go ahead. part of what makes it difficult. I feel like that's part of the thing that like, they know. It, like you're, You really have to focus on what's coming up from the bottom of the screen. Yeah, and you and get like, no uh, time to react sometimes. Like no time to react. Like well, that's... The one thing I really... The one thing I really like about Crash Bandicoot over the... Uh, super mario 64 and stuff is i feel that style like the banjo kazooie mario 64 whatever i feel there's so much wasted space where it's kind of like okay i'm gonna start running in this direction for god knows how long without any enemy nothing to jump over nothing it's just like open open terrain for yeah. you to go through like i'm thinking of like that first level of mario 64 where you're like just you're just running right it's like there's no one close to you there's no coins to get there's no enemies to defeat it's just all this open space. Whereas in the crash games, it's very like everything in your immediate, there's like danger immediately close to you, no matter where you are in whatever level. Yeah. Like you either have just needed to jump over something or you just needed to defeat an enemy or just had to get a box, but there's things throughout the entire thing that, uh, that you have to pay attention to. Whereas like in the Mario 64 one, you could just like, it feels like run, 
infinitely into nowhere. Yeah, that's a great dude. That's I never thought of that. That's a great point. You know what game that came to my mind right away when you talked about all the the wasted space? Uh, Ocarina of Time. When you get into Hyrule Field, and there's just a yeah. and I'm not shitting on that. I, you guys know I don't really love that game, but like that whole field is just this giant empty fucking field. Or actually, as much as I like this game, you and I recently, like you said, we talked about Spyro. There's a lot of dead space in Spyro. I love that I, game. I, I'll defend Spyro though because Spyro is like. It, it, it seems a lot more open once you pass through it the first time, but there is like enemies and gems and stuff all over. And like some of it's like space for you. The space is there because you have to like make a jump over a gap and you have to land somewhere if you don't make the jump or something. I, I don't know. I, I will, I will defend Spyro forever, but. And uh, like, and, I'm, and like, it's not me. Like, it's not, I mean, I guess it is kind of a criticism, but like, I, I really, really, I liked that game so much more than I expected to after I played it so much more. But I agree with what you're saying. Like when you get into an open world 3D game, particularly these early ones, frankly, even some of the later games, like there are mo- as much as it's a masterpiece, there are moments in Breath of the Wild where you're like, fuck me, this is just, there's nothing around right now. <laughs> like it's, and I love yeah. that game, but there are moments where you're, or Witcher 3 I've been playing where it's like, fuck me. Like there's just travel. Grand Theft Auto, there's so much travel. And not to get too far away from Crash Bandicoot, but those open world games, they can only fill so much of the world. Like they can't, there can't be an enemy every fucking two seconds like they've got to you know what i mean like it's almost like when you're in school and a kid is trying to like make their essay seem longer than it is so they just make the font bigger and it's still the same amount of stuff they just spread it out over more space (laughs) that was my move (laughs) bigger (laughs) font or extra spaces yeah fucking right put an extra space in between words and stuff yeah um but you're right they got they have to Yeah, that is Mario 64, but they have to fill room, whereas, like, you're right, Crash or basically any on-the-rails-style platformer, they have so much less space to worry about filling that they, like, they can design the, again, it comes back to that almost 2.5D thing, like, when you play a 2D platformer, a good 2D platformer, everything has been placed for a reason, every ledge, every jump, every enemy, every coin, every item, like there's it's a it's a it's a it's a work of art like it's a painting and this is why everything is where it is and could you imagine playing a crash bandicoot level where you had to like run in one direction for like 10 seconds with absolutely nothing no you'd be like what the hell's going on here no it would be fucking horrible and that's you're right and that's like so when you have an open world you worry about designing the world first and you figure out what to fill it in with but when you make a 2d or two and a half d platformer like this then you're like no 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 this is our we have a straight line because that's basically what these levels are. I know they curve and stuff like that, but like at the end of the day, you go from point A to point B. You get the odd fork in the road, but that's about it. There's no big open world to explore. And so they're like, okay, well, we, we're, we're on this line until we decide to end this line. Let's fill it up with goodies. And, and that to me is why I think that's, I never thought of it until you said it, but I think that's why I prefer non-3D platformers, be, or at least linear. I should say linear platformers maybe instead of like open yeah, world yeah. ones. Because I, I like that they, everything is there for a reason. There is no filling in space. Every jump, every bad guy, everything is there for a reason. And the best platformers, like you mentioned, start out incredibly easy. They teach you your basic mechanics. You figure out the controls. You figure out the physics. Because that's one thing about a platformer is everyone jumps differently. Like every platformer jumps and handles a little differently. So you got to get a feel for the physics of it. And then they fill it in and make it harder and harder and harder. And they're expecting that by, you know, the 20th, 30th level, you have mastered all these mechanics. Because if you haven't, you're completely fucked. And I love that. That's what a good platformer does is it just gradually gets more and more difficult. And I think Crash does that in (laughs) space. They get... 
I don't want to say too hard because I've hundred percented all these games, but they get very close you, to being too hard. Did you ever play the uh, the what was it that? It was like in the uh, remake, but the the level that was considered too difficult for North America. I did. Yes, I did. Um, did. Did you did you finish it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Did you? Oh, right, so you played it but didn't finish it? I I didn't finish it. No, <laughs> I felt the, uh, the I felt the modified one was hard enough, and I just did that one. It was fucking yeah. Uh, th- those extra. Le- oh. I was thinking about oh. I was thinking about streaming it and just seeing how long it took for me to actually do it. But it's yeah. No, yeah. Uh, hours hours but but i but again like that's you know what most games i would get irritated with something being that hard if it was like a shooter or like a an at like a contra game or like a first person shooter fucking whatever i would get so angry uh but there's just something about platformers that just scratch me right where i itch and i'm like i want it as it's like like when i have a shower i want the shower as hot as my skin can possibly handle it and when i play a platformer i want it to be like excruciatingly difficult. That's how I like my platformers. And yeah, that, but that said, Crash, like considering that Crash comes across like he's kind of marketed toward children, I know his ads didn't exactly do that, but when you just look at the, like, I'm looking at the game case right now, that looks like something you'd buy your child. There's like this fucking yeah, yeah. big cartoony looking mascot running with like, you know, running through a, a ripped piece of paper. Uh, like there are a lot of children that were never going to finish this game. Like it's fucking, it's oh, not Mario. It's a I lot harder. I, I didn't, I'll be honest. I didn't finish the original one. I didn't finish it until I actually played it on the uh, PS4. Oh, on the, the remake. In, the I think I got trilogy. about maybe half. Yeah, I think I got. I think I made about halfway through when I was a kid, and uh, it wasn't until I played the remake that I actually finished it. And the one thing that, like, I don't know if I could actually even like now that I think of it, I don't know if I could even finish the original one today because, like, I feel like the PS4 remake one had so many like. Because gamers now suck at this sort of thing. So I think maybe what they did was there was like more check. Or the one thing they did on the new one was like, if you start to really suck in one spot over and over and over again, they'll be like, here, take this checkpoint. For the love of God, just finish this level. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas in the, in the original one, in the original one, they wouldn't give you that pity checkpoint. They would say, oh, no, you're out of lives. Start again. Yeah. Um, yeah. The one thing I did notice with this game is like it is so easy to accumulate lives early in the game that you almost need to like hold those like lives dear and make sure you don't waste them. Because when you get to those harder levels, if you lose all your lives uh, with no like once you're out of lives, you lose your checkpoint status. You have to start from the beginning of the level again. Yeah. That's one of those things that, yeah, like I wouldn't shit on it today for that because I get that that was the style at the time. But lives are such a archaic thing in video games. And you're right. Yeah. yeah. You you have to absolutely treasure every life you get in this game. I, I truly well, percent if agree you look you. at the if you look at the PS4 version, you're able to kind of choose between do you want to just count how many times you died or do you want to actually play with lives? Like it gave you the option. Yeah. Yeah. Um but like I was just thinking about like playing through this for the uh early on and it'd be like if you're out like i'd almost start i'd start going and playing some of those early levels over and over again just to try to accumulate lives before trying to tackle a really difficult level so i'd make sure i'm going into that difficult level with like 40 lives yeah um because you lose all that progress after the checkpoints if you uh run out well and i feel like these games are almost designed to give you lives on purpose because like it's the same style as like mario where 
you know, if you get a hundred coins, you get an extra life. And this one, if you get a hundred, I think it's Wampa, Wampa fruits, Wampa, Wampa fruit. Yeah, if you yeah, get a hundred yeah. Wampas, then you get an extra life. Um, but the difference between this and Mario is that like to, to really beat Crash Bandicoot, uh, you need to get every box in every level and every it's box. What's that? Did you hundred percent every single box? I swear to God. Yeah. Not on the new one. Crash four. Fuck that. I know. But the original trilogy. Yeah. I still have my save file. hundred percent in all three of those games. Actually, wow. Yeah, it was a lot of time. You have to screenshot that. Yeah, you have to screenshot that. A lot of time. <laughs> uh, like I sold it. And I wish I hadn't sold it. This is why, this is, okay, we're not going to get into this debate. We're talking crash. But this is one of the reasons I like digital games because I I, oh, I sell, I sell, because Darren and I have had this debate off, off the podcast a hundred times. And I like both. But the reason, I, one of the reasons I really like digital is because I have a horrible tendency of like, I hunted 100% a game and I'm like, I'll never play this again. I've 100%ed it. I'll sell it. Like, I'll put it towards something else. I do it. And then this is a perfect example of like, I wish I fucking still had this game because I, I would play them again because I just really love Crash. You shouldn't, be, you shouldn't be apologetic for being frugal with money. I understand selling something. Yeah, but then I, but I regret it. That's my problem is I wish I hadn't. Um, but yes, anyway, but like, yeah. so, what, so what I was going to say is like, yeah, like I, I'm, and like even on the new one, I for the first ten or fifteen hours I was playing it, I was after everything, and then I was like, okay, I need to play other stuff. There's fucking eighty hours of game here if you want to try to hundred percent this thing. Um, but traditionally yeah. in Crash, you go through each level and there's X amount of of crates, like fifty crates, hundred crates, whatever. And to hundred percent the level, you've got to get every crate, and every crate, not every crate, but ninety nine percent of the crates have at least one Wampa fruit in them. So if you're going on a completionist run, like you mentioned, dude, especially in those early levels where they're not that hard to 100%, you're racking up lives. Because it's not like Mario, you don't have to go collect coins to beat the levels. But in in Crash, to really beat the levels, you got to get all these boxes, and every box is bringing you closer to extra lives. So it's incredibly easy to stockpile them, uh, which by the end of yeah. the game is a fucking godsend, like you said. Um, I, I also feel like it kind of relies... And I feel like a lot of old games do this. I and I don't I don't necessarily think this is a good thing, but I almost feel like the difficulty in it part of it is like to make the game longer. Do you know what I mean? Like it's an artificial way to to lengthen the the overall like the overall time you're going to take to beat the game. Cuz like you could just run through this game if you're good and probably beat it in 3 or 4 hours, I think. Like I don't know what the world record is, but like it's 32 levels. It's not a long game if you don't worry yeah. about getting everything. Um but when you're constantly dying and dying and dying, that's tacking more and more time onto your game, uh, which may like, which again, for, I, I don't know how you feel about it. I don't particularly like that idea. I don't know if they do that on purpose or not. Um, I, I really, I can't decide. Like, I don't know if they, if that was a conscious decision by them to make the game longer or if they just were like, we just want to make a hard video game. I honestly, I can't decide if I, if that was what they were doing or not. Um, I, I found those last few levels were just impossible. Where to get to the point where you'd have to start almost budgeting your hits. So if you got like the little mask, the Ukabuka guy or whatever, yeah, and it's like you, you've got you've got your. It's like okay, well, I know for a fact I'm going to be getting completely destroyed right here. So there's the one hit, and then like you're really trying to like make sure like okay, like you're almost like coming to terms with the fact that you are going to get like damage in one spot because there might be like the doctors throwing the like beaker stuff or whatever. But it's like. Uh, I found it very difficult towards the end there. Oh, uh, so hard. But I, you know, okay. So you brought up the masks. Like, w I actually like that. One of the things I like about Crash as a whole, like the franchise, is that they found a way to 
be a little different as far as like your health goes. Like, I mean, at least in the old days of Mario, you had one hit, but then if you got a mushroom, you had two hits. And then if you got a flower, then you, you know what I mean? You had extra hits. And in Sonic, it, I actually have grown to really admire the Sonic mechanic of as long as you have at least one ring, you're fine. Like I've really grown, yeah. I hated that for a long time, but I've really grown to admire it. Um, and then every time in Sonic you get hit, you lose half the rings until you only have like one or two left. Then you, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I actually like, at first I was like, fuck this. But that, as I've been playing more Sonic, I've realized that like the levels are designed for you to take damage. Like there's, you, if you're playing it properly and running through, you're going to get hit. Just expect to have to pick up your rings. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, all right, I can get mm -hmm. on board with that. Whereas with Crash, they were like, well, he doesn't, outside of the invincibility you get, if you get three masks, you don't really get any power-ups. They just found a way to give you an extra hit, and it, I actually think that's I do like clever. how simple. I do like how simple it is. Me too. I like it better without a bunch of power. Like I love Mario power ups, but I actually like Crash mm. better without all the power ups. Like I'm yeah, glad that simple. he can't. like all you're pretty much doing is jumping and spinning, and that's it. Yeah, and I really like that. Like in the new game, you get those different masks that kind of give you different powers, and I don't. I actually I don't hate that mechanic. But uh, that is one of my favorite things about Crash is the simplicity. Like you can jump, you can spin, and you can do that uh, belly flop thing. And that's really all you can do. And it's like, and that's, and so there's never a point where you're like, oh, fuck, I needed a, I needed a, a, a flower to get that. And I don't have a flower, so I can't get that item anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like everything in the game you yeah. can get just based on skill. Um, which I think is fucking awesome. I, I love that mechanic so much. Plus the mask. I love that little like ooga booga, that noise that he makes when you pick him up. I, I think his name's like Aku. I, I, I know I just always referred, like my sister and I would play as growing up and I always be like, we just refer him to the ooga booga guy. Yeah. And it wasn't like, we know uh, nothing official with the names, but yeah. It's a, uh, did you ever, oh, never mind. That's two. That's to get it. I was going to say the crash team racing, but never mind. No, I, um, I, yeah, I haven't played. I got to play crash team racing. Like I love crash. Uh, I love Mario Kart. It feels like a match made in heaven. I just have never gotten around to playing it. Um, but I would love um, to. What, this is still crash related. One of my favorite, um, did you ever get into like the uncharted four? Yep. Oh uh, yeah. One, yes. I think the, the highlight of my, the highlight of that game for me was I'm playing, it's kind of doing the flashback and all that. And I'm like, He's like, oh, what are you doing? He's playing this stupid little game there, and it's actually a level from Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, he sits and down like, and plays it. Yeah, and like it's like an unlockable trophy if you go through the level without taking a hit or something or something or like or getting a hundred percent of the Wampa fruit. It's like a unlockable trophy for Uncharted. Like that is probably one of my highlights of that entire game, and it's a Crash Bandicoot. Uh, like cameo i forgot all about that yeah that dude i i fucking it's a wrestling term but like i marked out like that means like i i got so excited when i was playing uncharted and yeah nathan because i like the uncharted games a lot too and nathan drake yeah. picks up that controller and then you actually get to play crash i was like fuck yes because that's the thing i was disappointed when it was over I was yeah like, no i want to i want to go back to crash yeah because that's the thing you guys is like and some people forget this but like naughty dog developed crash and if you don't know who naughty dog is naughty dog went from the crash games to jack and daxter which are also awesome games by at least the first one the second third one whatever but jack and daxter is also a lot of fun then they went on to uncharted then they went on to the last of us but it all started like it started like that's fuck me like so in 24 years you went from the original crash bandicoot to uncharted 4 and the last of us 2 like that's that blows me yeah. away that these guys came up with this stupid platforming game and then went on to make some of the greatest, arguably, I love them, but like some of the most cinematic, like crazy. I can't think of, 
Go ahead. I can't think of any. I can't think of any goose eggs that uh, Naughty Dog really laid. Like I, I actually when I think of quite a lot of my favorite games, a lot of them are Naughty Dog. Yeah, dude, I love. I like. There are very few game developers that I will at least strongly consider buying your game just on the name. Like when, like obviously Nintendo. Like when you know, like uh, like a first party Nintendo game that gets my attention right away. Capcom, yeah. depending on the franchise, gets my attention right away. But Naughty Dog. I see that logo and, and it, like I've played, I've played all the, at least the original trilogy of crash games that they made. Cause they didn't make the new one. Um, I, I, I love both last of us I've played all the uncharted's I played all three of the Jack games. Like, like I, yeah, they're just such a, they are one of the best game developing studios in the world. Like for my money, they, they go toe to toe. They can, they can stand up to Nintendo and all them. Like as far as the quality of their games, they're so good. So good. And I like I don't know if this was their I'm looking it up right now. I don't know if this was their very first game or not. I don't think it was. Um I, I doubt it, yeah. But this but is the, the first, first one that I uh yeah. The first, first one I can think of. Yeah, first one everybody knows anyway. Um and dude, so that's another thing. Speaking of games, okay, yeah, no, they made a bunch of weird games before this. But yeah, I hadn't heard of any of them until Crash Bandicoot. Um another thing about Crash Bandicoot that really stands out to me is uh is his commercials from back in the day like for my yeah. money the best video game commercials ever made Are i like i like those spiral ones too but they like as we said before in the spiral one there's like seems to be so much overlap between just how they market these games yeah uh, i oh god dude those i'll never forget it because like i i didn't play these games until a couple years after they were all out but I'll never forget those commercials with this fucking guy. The guy just walking around in a suit. <laughs> in this giant Crash Bandicoot suit with his face like coming through Crash's teeth. And they don't even try to hide it. Like they clearly it's well, just they, his they, face in his teeth. They brought the suit back when they uh, did the remastered uh, Crash Nitro card. Yeah, <laughs> and that's right. And dude, this dude driving around in his suit. Oh, it's the fucking greatest thing in the world. Like I'll never... I'm probably going to edit one into this commercial or into this a- or episode, but like the fuck me, that first one where he's like out, he's literally outside of Nintendo HQ with the megaphone. Yeah. And he's like, Hey plumber boy, your worst nightmare has arrived. And it, and like, they're obviously just trying to make him seem like the cool new edgy mascot. But like, I'll be honest with you. It worked like it got in my head. I still haven't forgot about those 24 years later. I haven't forgot about those ads. I love them so much. Well- I, well, one thing I felt that, like, you bring up the character, just the kind of the edgy, cool character. One thing I always thought was, like, with all the Crash things, like, all the characters kind of have, like, this cool kind of, like, even though it's, like you said before, it's, like, kind of looks like it's marketed as a kid's game, but just, like, the humor and jokes and, like, the innuendo in some of these and, like, um, like, aside from Crash's, like, girlfriend thing looking like a furry or whatever, like, the whole thing, like, they try to make the entire... uh cast seem kind of like the, these cool characters yeah yeah they do yeah it's and i love that like i i've always said that even back in the console wars of the 90s where i didn't have a sega like i've always been a big sonic the hedgehog fan like the character because i always just thought he was so cool and as much as i adore mario like he's kind of lame like i love him but like he's kind of He's a little too cutesy, blue, fat, lame. You know, that he, blue collar job. Yeah, he's just kind of lame. Whereas, like, I always thought Sonic was like the like the cool guy compared to Mario's fat, lame guy. But like Crash, to me, like he does look like he has attitude. But like to me, Crash is the clown. Like Crash is the funny guy. 
like you said, like it's, and those commercials nailed it where like they are kind of edgy and a little like push the envelope, take digs at Nintendo. But at the same time, like he just like, they clearly don't, he doesn't take himself seriously. They don't take the mascot seriously. You know what I mean? Like, and I really, I love that as a, as a comedian, we're both comedians. Like I, I, I think yeah. they really, what they were, if they were aiming for him to be funny and entertaining, I think they hit the nail on the head. Like he's a very entertaining character. I know some well, people I think he's an idiot. Well, the one thing that I kind of get disappointed about where I feel they missed the mark, but I know this is really common in just about every single game, is that the protagonist or the the character that you're playing very rarely ever talks. Yeah, I don't get why. And it's the one, I feel like it's kind of a missed opportunity. Like his little sister talks, like Neocortex talks, like everyone else talks. But for some reason, like Crash is just like, like it's just like, okay. He just makes stupid Um, noises. Yeah, so I feel like it's almost like a missed opportunity where it's like, for example, like the Spyro game, he talks and he'll like give you some kind of like, like they also kind of advertise Spyro similarly where it's like, oh, he's he's just firing and flaming up random sheep on the street and stuff. But uh, like they gave him a personality, whereas I feel in the commercials, they gave Crash Bandicoot this personality and then they... He doesn't have a personality at all in any of the game. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I don't know if I would have preferred this or not. I think it would have been, especially in the new game, I think it would have been fucking hilarious if it had even just been an option where you could turn on where he just talks like the guy from the commercial. Like where he's just like, <laughs> like where like his mouth doesn't even move, but he's just like, ah, like this he's sucks. from Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like as he gets like killed, he's just like, ah, this sucks. Like and falls over. Like I think that would have been hilarious. Cause you're right. He doesn't talk. And that drives me crazy. I don't like Mario doesn't talk. Link doesn't talk. Crash doesn't talk. Like I guess Sonic does talk, but like so many of these main characters don't talk. And it's, I don't get why, like what, like Mario. Sure. I get that. That's been Mario's thing forever. But, like, the rest of it, like, why? Like, you said, like, the whole advertising campaign of Crash was that he was kind of a smartass. And then they don't do anything with it. And that really, yeah, I agree. That fucking irritates the shit out of me, actually. So, you, you've made me feel both better and worse about this fucking franchise at the same oh, time. My, my bad. It's still one of my favorites. Me too, yeah. Um, were you, I, I have a question. Were you, uh, so, in the 90s, like, mid-90s, were you, uh, did you have a PlayStation or did you have an N64? I don't remember if I asked. Before. I, ha- I had both, but like we got a Nintendo 64 for Christmas and then I bought a PlayStation a couple years later with my own money. Okay. Um, Cause I remember for me, like I saved up my allowance like every single week to save up for an N64. And I remember when I got the N64, I got Diddy Kong racing and that was it. I couldn't afford any games. All the N64 games are so expensive. Yeah, they were. So I got frustrated and eventually I found a guy, I don't know, this will date it. Do you remember the Bargain Finder newspaper? <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. Right. We're so old. Like, fuck like, me. Print, like print Kijiji? Yeah. So uh, basically um, I found a guy in the Bargain Finder. In hindsight, it wasn't a good deal at all. But uh, I traded straight up my uh, N64 with Diddy Kong Racing for uh, a PlayStation 1, the old fat one with like the sharp spikes on the side or yep. whatever. Like. The, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the great thing on the side. And I traded that for Ridge Racer, Ridge Racer and Crash Bandicoot 1. And like that was kind of my first interaction with Crash Bandicoot. And I had rented games for the, P- or for the N64 and stuff before. But uh, so I was familiar with like the Mario 64 and all that. But after playing Mario 64 for the N64 and then Crash Bandicoot, I was like, how did I not even know this system existed? Like as when I was like in grade five or six or whatever it was, uh, I was like, wow, this is like, 
I didn't even know this system existed. For me, it was just Nintendo. That's all there was. And when I came across Crash Bandicoot, I'm like, oh, this is what a 3D game's supposed to be like. But yeah, yeah, I guess I was just wondering if you came across Crash later afterwards or if it was like on the, did you own the original system and played it way back then? I, I did. And like, I did have the original system and I did play them back in the day. And I actually remember liking them more than Mario 64. And to this day, I still, boy, this is, fuck, some people are going to be yelling at me for this. But I still... You're in a safe space. It's a bad game. I yeah, like I still think I might like Crash more than Mario. I, I have come around on Mario 64. I like it way more than I used to. But I think I still might prefer the Crash games. I really like the fucking more on the rails type approach to these games. And I think that Crash is a cool character. I love the challenge. I think it's hard like to me, the hardest parts in Mario 64 are hard because the fucking camera doesn't work. Like that's why it's oh, fucking yeah. hard. Whereas in Crash. Again, the only times I ever really found the camera even remotely frustrating is when you're running toward the camera. And the only reason I even have a, I love those scenes, but I also feel like there are aspects in those like those portions of the games where they're really counting on trial and error, especially if you want to get every box. It's one thing if you just want to beat that level. But if you're trying to get everything, it like cuz you run past one box and you have no way to go back and get it, and now you've got to do it again which is going to cost you a life. Do you know what I mean? And like, and I, I love that concept, but I do find that a little bit, a little irritating at times. Oh dude, is there any levels in this fucking game? I can't remember if there's any in the first game where you have to ride a creature away from the camera. Do you know what no, I'm saying? I don't think so. Like, I, I know they add those I don't in recall. Like, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like when you hop on like a, a fucking bear or whatever. And you're like, I don't think so. Not in the first one. Anyway, uh, I played the remake not too long ago and I don't remember that happening. Okay. Cause like I, I fucking, I despise those levels. That is my least favorite thing in crash is those levels. But I can't remember if there was uh, any I think in the first one. I think that's, uh, I think that's in the third one where Coco and her tiger. Yeah, that's right. I know it's in the, th- fuck. I, I don't I don't like that third one as much as the first two. I don't hate the third one, but I don't think it's as good as the first two. I can't I, I feel the third one they were trying to get too far away from like the original kind of thing. Like if you think about like the first one, they have like their little they have their map that's kind of like Donkey Kong country esque, if you will, where you go from much. one level to the next and it kind of goes around the entire little island or whatever the area you are yeah and then the second one it was like they scrapped that and you're in your little warp rooms thing and then the third one they kind of just went all in with the warp room thing and it would be like oh this is a coco level this is a crash level this is a but like i felt the third one was getting a little bit far away from what the first two are but i guess like what you said earlier the first two are almost identical and then they just bust out like something a little bit different in the third one. Yeah. I don't think they could have, cause I don't think the third one's as good as the first two, but I don't think they could have just released that a third one in the exact same light as the first two. I think, yeah, I think that would have turned some people off at that point. Like, and I think I like about the new one. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. By all means. I was going to say in the new one, the PS4 one is that it kind of goes back to that map, right? Yes. Like it kind of goes back to some of the original stuff in the, cause I hated that little warp room thing. I, I, it just wasn't exciting. It was just kind of like, Oh, I'm back where I started. And Oh, look, there's another one for me to go over there now. Like it's, uh, I kind of, I kind of like the visual of the map and stuff to kind of give you a hint of what the, the level in front of you might hold. Yeah, I agree. I don't like having to play my map. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's same thing as like, I don't like, I know that the castle in Mario 64 like is magical and everything, 
But at the same time, like it hits a point where I'm like, I'm sick of fucking, I just want to pick the next level. That's what I love about Mario Odyssey is that like, I just pick a level and then I go to that level and I play the level. Like, it's like just, I, 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 that's all I want to do. And like you said, yeah, I forgot all about that. But yeah, the fact that it's almost, it is like, it is almost, it, it actually even kind of looks like the Donkey Kong Country map. Like it looks so. For the first level, for the first little world, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I'm totally cool with that. Cause I'm like, that's fine. Don't make me play the level or don't make me play the map. Just tell me where I'm going and then let me play the next level. I like that. Um, actually, dude, one thing I do have to throw shade on that really drives me crazy in every Crash Bandicoot game. I'm 90% sure this was even in the first one is that there are certain levels where you have to find like a colored gem in some other level to open up a path to the, to like a bonus stage in a previous level. And you need to get the bonus stage to get all the boxes in every level. And that, yeah, that that's why, that's why I called BS on you hundred percent. I had to, I, I, I use some guides. That. Yeah. I had to use some guides to oh, find all those like crystals. YouTube, YouTube search it. Yeah. And that I, I, I fucking, as someone that likes to be a completionist in my platformers, do you have any idea the fucking rage I experience sometimes when I put like 10 minutes into a difficult level of this game? And then, you know, when you get to the end and you got to do like, you hit the, the big, like the big floating box or whatever. And it's like, I'm just fucking, I am praying that I did not miss a box. And then you and go then through it's like it. Sixty seven of sixty nine. Oh, and like and like especially in these early ones where you have to watch like every box fall on his head, and you're just watching that little counter go up, and you're like, "Do not fuck me," because I scoured this entire level. And when I'm missing one box, that irritates the fuck out of me. But when I'm missing like twenty boxes, I'm like, "Okay, there was a bonus area somewhere that I obviously couldn't get to yet because I haven't found this other crystal." I. I really dislike that fucking mechanic across every, oh. even the new game has it. And I fucking hate that because they give you no tips about where to find these colored crystals that you need. If it even did that, like if I could trade in some Wampa fruits for like a hint or something, I'd be okay with it. Well, but I feel with the new one, with the new one, it's like even more infuriating because you see all these extra like add-ons, like you can get these different skins for crash and all this other stuff. And you can't even, like you're so far away from the goal and you're like, so for me, it was kind of like, I started the first few levels of, I'm going to try to get every single box, every single wump of fruit, every, everything, everything. Yeah. yeah. And then after like the second level, I'm like, Nope, I'm just going to try to finish the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So it is, I know you're more of a completionist than I am. God, it's so I frustrating. For the trophies. I hate for it. The trophies. Like, <sighs> frankly, as much as I adore the crash bandicoot franchise, I'm not a fan of the have to get every box to get a crystal mechanic. I don't like that because it's so easy. And I get that that's part of the game, but it's so easy to accidentally run by one box that was up in the air or fucking behind a ledge or something. And now you've got to replay these. And some of these levels are very long. You know what I mean? And they're very hard. And then it's like, fuck, I missed one box. And now I got to go back through this entire fucking level looking for this well, box. even on the first level like i was i was uh, playing the uh, original one uh before coming on here today and even on the first level there's like this one box that's very well hidden like you can almost not see it at all and it's like hidden right behind a ledge like unnecessarily hidden like, yeah it's just like come on dude like it just hits a <laughs> yeah. point where like you get into the habit of every time you jump over one of those like raised uh like you said like one of those raised ledges or whatever I just go back to the ledge and spin both ways just to make sure there was nothing there. And it just gets to the point where it's frustrating because you're like 99% of the time there's nothing there. And you're just like, fuck me. But it, but the one time you skip it, sure as fuck, that's where there will be a box that you fucking skipped over. And that dry, ugh. My, probably my biggest problem with these games is that. Either that 
no, my biggest problem is the colored crystals. And then my second biggest problem is that. Um, those are my, do yeah. You enjoy, do you enjoy the time trials? No, I, I don't like, play them. Do you even bother them? No. Do you even bother them? No. They, yeah. No. Actually, even in the insane like trilogy, an, I didn't. I hate them. The time trials suck. Like it seems like such an. It seems like mm-hmm. such a capo add on to the, uh, like such a capo add on to lengthen the game. It's like, oh, you can go through it again and see how fast you can do it. I'm like, what? yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, like as long as it's not mandatory, because if I'm not mistaken, it doesn't even count toward the percentage of the game you've completed. Like it's an optional thing, and it doesn't like so. I'm like, all right, if it's completely optional, then whatever. But dude, I I have never had the patience for any kind of like speed running or anything like that. That just sounds like dude, because if you if you've gotten every box in one of these games, you've already replayed a ton of these levels a fucking thousand times. God damned if I'm gonna play them another two hundred times so that I can run through them fast. If you're hearing this, you're probably a gamer. And for our kind, nothing is as precious and valuable as our save files. Have you ever experienced the loss of a save file? It's soul-crushing. Dozens, maybe hundreds of hours of work. Gone, like that. But at the end of the day, it's a video game. It matters, but kinda, you know? That exact scenario, but with a work project, an essay for school, data for your business, that's no joke. That could be really serious. You need a safety net. And I got you, fam, with my partners over at CrashPlan. Visit CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. CrashPlan has been protecting people's data since 2001. And a couple years ago, they set out on their own with one mission, to provide the best damn cloud backup solution on the market. CrashPlan runs quietly in the background of your computer or Mac, and every 15 minutes on the clock, they create a new backup of every file that's changed in that time. So if something goes wrong, God forbid, you don't lose hours, lose days, lose weeks of work. Just log into your account, and you can download your most recent backup from the secure cloud servers. And there's not just one backup. There's a laundry list of them. You can pick and choose which one you want. It's like the ultimate undo button. If if you work on a computer in any capacity, Crash Plan is a must-have. And if you're thinking, ah, that's for big businesses, I'm just Joe Schmo. Crash Plan protects Joe Schmo. They offer a ton of plans in tiers. So there's a Crash Plan for everyone from small one-person businesses like me to you fancy businesses in offices with staff and free donuts and all that stuff. Time is money. Why wouldn't you protect your work? Spreadsheets, diagrams, videos, art, podcasts. CrashPlan has you covered. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Like, it, it, you know what I... Oh, fuck no. You know what I think it might be? What I think might... The reason for these, like, little add-ons, like the time trials, like... Think about like back in 1996 or whatever. Like, I don't feel people had like the same, um, maybe it's just because I'm older now with disposable income, but I felt like people didn't have as many games to go to, to play. Like they wouldn't open up their like shelf or they wouldn't have a shelf with like 30 titles for the same console. It'd be like, you'd get your one game and you'd play the hell out of that one game until another game came by in a couple months or a year that you wanted. So I think maybe perhaps they had those extra things like the time trials and stuff to almost be like, Hey, we know you're probably not going to be playing another game anytime soon. So uh, here, do this other meaningless task right now. Like 
that's the only thing I can think of because some of them like these are they're just so mundane add-ons. Yeah. Just I don't know. No, I think that's you're all right. I could think of. Yeah, because like I had very few. I don't know if it's because I was 11 years old or I don't know if it was just because it was like more of a thing for the consoles of the time. But like I'm looking at my shelf right now and I've got like dozens of games that I haven't even touched ever. Yeah, and I felt like I don't think that was as common back then. No, I agree with that. Not at all. Um, I think that like gamers right now, like our age, like this is the first, I know there were some adults that played games back in the eighties and the nineties, but like now all those kids that grew up on the NES, the super Nintendo, the Genesis, the 64, the PS one, we're all, you know, in our thirties and stuff now and have money to blow and have all these games. Well, you're right. Back then we didn't. And you got to remember too, I hate, I'm sorry to everyone that we keep comparing this to Mario 64, but the <laughs> bottom line is it's two 3d platformers that are borderline flagship i mean mario 64 obviously is the flagship title for the nintendo 64 crash at least at this point they were kind of hoping would catch on as like the mascot of the playstation i think it did yeah i, I think, think it think did about like who else would you who 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 else would you say would be well like that yeah that's you, the thing and like in the ps1 era to me the only person i would maybe argue is more of a mascot for the ps1 than than crash maybe maybe cloud maybe no or maybe well, not, guess, maybe snake i guess solid snake but yeah crash was the the the, the i think for sure guy. crash but i guess the way i look at crash bandicoot with that is i've always uh, like i was almost disappointed when they like released crash bandicoot onto the xbox because i was like for me as like i identified myself as a playstation guy ever since trading my n64 for the ps1 is it's almost like, I know you're a Habs fan. Like the way that you, the way I felt about Crash going to the Xbox is probably how you felt about like Saku Koivu going to the Ducks. It's like, why? No, you were always, you were PlayStation. Why are you, why are you with them? Like it's so, I would say until they started kind of like blending some of the games being available for different platforms, I'd say for sure, even today, I think probably Crash Bandicoot. But it's kind of like you have to forget that you can still get Insane Trilogy on the Xbox One. Yeah, and the Switch but too. Yeah. I would say, yeah, like I would say probably it's hands down Crash. Yeah, it's funny to me because like, like Nintendo, obviously, I know they have a ton of mascots, but I think most people would agree that Mario is like the the ace of their mascot rotation is Mario on Nintendo. And Xbox has Master Chief. Like Halo and like the way Halo is gone or not, Master Chief is the face of Xbox. Sonic is obviously the face of Sega, even though they don't make consoles anymore. I actually yeah. saw someone tweet about this the other day, and they were like, PlayStation is the biggest name in gaming. They have four of the best-selling consoles of all time, four of the five best-selling home consoles ever. They are like, and and, and listen, like for those of you that are think I'm I'm being a PlayStation homer, anyone that's listening to this podcast with any regularity knows that like they're probably my number three of the three big systems. I play it, but I'm not the world's biggest PlayStation fan. But what's remarkable to me is that they've become the face of gaming, and they don't have that Mario or Sonic. Like I agree with you. Like my first thought is Crash, but then you do remember like. Crash hasn't had a good game in a while outside of the new one and he's on everything. So it's like, is he, cause I agree with you. It really seems like he should be the face of PlayStation, but he's not. But I don't even think PlayStation knows who the face of PlayStation is. Cause I, I like I either. just bought a PS five and like, you know, like the opening vignette thing of a game starting is kind of this montage of like five or six characters, like ratchets on there. Uh, Kratos um, Nathan Drake is on there I think Kratos might be but it's just kind of like this little it shows like five or six images it's like they couldn't even decide what their go-to character was yeah which I mean and Crash wasn't and Crash wasn't I think part of that might be because Crash is now 
uh, open to any console. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, it's like the ones that they go to automatically, like in that, I don't know if you've seen it, but if you, when the game loads up for a PS five, it's like uh ratchet, uh, the person from like that horizon game. I don't know their name. I've never played it. Uh, Nathan Drake, but no crash is like, he's kind of like, can't forgive, can't forgive crash bandicoot for going to Xbox. Yeah. Like I almost feel like Sackboy has become more of a, like, a childish mascot for them than than or ratchet and clank like they've become more childish mascots for playstation than crash is plus like and i'm telling you guys all right now i don't think it'll be by the time you hear this because you're probably going to hear this in the next couple of weeks but like i would i would bet my house that crash bandicoot gets added to smash brothers before this dlc package is over i'm if there's one character that i'm confident it's crash and yeah uh, i I agree and i think i think the reason why crash is not the face now is because it's not a PlayStation exclusive. Right. But I'd be curious anymore. to know though, like, so the original trilogy was, and we all know, oh yeah. Okay. So to get back to my point just quickly, I want to, I want to stick on this for a minute, but like the reason I keep comparing this game to Mario 64 is that you got to remember they came out two months apart. You have Mario 64s on Nintendo Crash is on PlayStation Crash is literally shooting commercials where he's chirping Mario. Like, how do you not look at it as like, well, this is the new Sonic. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, this is going to be the new competitor to mario and and to get back to your point about the time trials and the way they've kind of they kind of they feel tacked on as a way to kind of add length to the game first of all without knowing anything about game development i have to assume that is not the hardest thing in the world to pro like the game is probably 80 percent done and then they're like well fuck we could add time trials and that'll add a bunch of length because i bet you when mario 64 came out people were playing it and they were like holy fuck dude there's a lot of game there if they want to get every star like that's a big video game and then they were like, well, our game, you could finish it in four hours. And so they're like, yeah, I think you might be right. We had the time trial. They, it was probably something they could have added in a couple of months. And then now that just makes it, all they really had to do is have an expert play to decide what the time should be. And then now you're good. And, and, I, and I bet you anything that that was a decision by them to just add length to the game. And I'm not going to shit on them for it because it's optional. But I agree with you that like I would have preferred another 10 levels or something over fucking time trials through 30 levels that I have. Cause I think they have another, I, I think they have another one too, where it's like, you just collect certain, I, I, I think there's like, I want to say there's three different levels per level almost. Right. And one of them's time trials. And I think there's a third one that has to do with catching some kind of gems or something like that. Yeah. I think, but like, right. I feel like they basically just, if you play through just on like getting the, like if you play through just once every level, you only actually technically finish a third of the game. Right. But all they're because doing they have is all the other it. requirements. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So then I, that would be definitely no. Go, go ahead. ahead. I agree with you. I, I agree. With that'd be point. the only issue. I'd say. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Um, to get back to the mascot thing because that's fascinating to me. What's you know what's crazy is like so Naughty Dog made Crash One, Crash Two, Crash Three, and I'm and I'm I I, I had the stats in front of me. You know what? I'll fucking find it right now. Uh, here it is right here. Um, Crash Bandicoot went on to sell six million units and is the eighth best-selling Crash or er, game on the PlayStation. And it's the best-selling Crash Bandicoot game. I have the list of top PlayStation-selling games the right. First in front one of me. is yeah, the first one's the best-selling uh, game of the of the trilogy. So and then Crash Bandicoot Warped is number two, and Crash Bandicoot Two is actually number three. So they obviously didn't. I mean, they they all sold over five million copies, which is great. Like they all sold. But clearly they weren't flying off the shelves. They turned out one every year for three years. Uh, when the PS2 came out, like, I'll be honest with you, like, I, like, I, like Crash 4 on the PlayStation 2 would have been one of my f- must-buy games. But they went to Jack and Daxter. And I, and I 
love Jack and Daxter. They did their, they did their uh, Crash uh, Wrath of Cortex or whatever, and they started doing those like kind of crappier versions of the game. Yeah, but like I'm floored that like they, because like I don't even know, I don't, I'm not, don't quote me on that, but like I don't know if those were developed by Naughty Dog because at one point they handed the reins off. Um, yeah, they only were so Naughty Dog are. was only in charge of it until 1999, and then Euricom Entertainment took over. And now it's been like, dude, oh my god, this poor guy is a slut. Crash has been Crash has been handled by like a dozen, fifteen developers here. Um, and I would really like to know if they hadn't, like, if they had just stuck with it as Naughty Dog and just kept making them, like maybe he would be the face. But then instead they switched it up, and then Jack and Daxter was kind of like, oh well, maybe that's the guy. And then Ratchet and Clank came along and was like, oh well, that's the guy. And Spyro was like, well, that's the guy. And I, I just the point I'm trying to make is I would really like to, I would love, we'll never know, but I would love to know, hypothetically speaking, if they had gone back in time and just kept making Crash Bandicoot games like Mario, like Nintendo has made a Mario game for every console. And if, I guess maybe not the Wii U. Oh no, even then he had Mario U, Mario Brothers U. But like if they had made like a brand new Naughty Dog built, super sexy Crash Bandicoot game the whole way, maybe he would have been. Because I know myself, after the original trilogy, like I'm looking at all these games right now. I'm like, so there was crash team racing, but then it was crash bath, rash of cortex, a huge adventure entranced Ripto's, uh, or no in twin, twin sanity, crash tag team racing, crash, boom, bang, crash of the Titans. Like I never played any of these. And it was like, I just wanted another crash bandicoot game. Like, yeah, yeah. I didn't need all these spinoff games. Right. And it's, I, I feel like that's one of the things about Mario is that like I know he's done all these spin-off games, but you've also got the 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 mad scientists at Nintendo constantly churning out top shelf platforming games with them in addition to the Mario Karts and Mario Parties and all those. I think with, I think with I think with Mario though is they kind of created their each Mario genre, right? Yeah. So there's kind of like the open world genre, like the Odyssey and the Galaxy and like you have a little bit more flexibility where you go that kind of maybe goes from like the original 64 one and then you have like they they realized i think a lot of people didn't like those because then they went back and made the uh that kind of new super mario bros one which was the side scroller and they still make the side scroller ones and they still like it's uh it, it mario's kind of like diversified themselves into they've got their racing section they've got their uh, their kind of open world section and got their side scroller section. They have whatever the hell Paper Mario is. Yeah, the sports um, games, everything. Yeah. Yeah. So they've kind of like diversified Mario in all these different areas where Crash Bandicoot was kind of, I think when they tried to do that, they just flopped. Yeah, I agree. And it's really sad, man, because like I, I feel like he should have been. Like, again, like you're right. When I think of the PlayStation 1, like I will lie to you, the first game that comes into my head when I think of the PlayStation 1 is Final Fantasy 7. Because that's just the one I played the most on my PS1. But like, yeah, the first mascot character is Crash Bandicoot. And it's, a, I just, I guess this is a great way to kind of start wrapping this up is like, I, and I'm biased because I'm a Crash Bandicoot fan, but I'm like, I, to, to me, like he should really have been in the conversation with the Marios and the Sonics. Like we did a, a, a Mount Rushmore of gaming episode of the show a little while ago and everyone was writing in who their four characters would be. And Mario and Sonic were on just about every mountain which uh, deservedly so like Mario and Sonic are, are institutions in gaming, but like the way crash came out of the gate and his games were selling really well. And, and the people that liked them fucking loved them. Like he could have been a big franchise. And then it feels like they just kind of threw him off to the, threw him out to the wolves. And he like, I'm so glad that this crash four game came out and it's good. 
Because it was like, mm-hmm. they showed, they're like, hey, man, there's still a good franchise here. Like, forget all the mistakes. I know we fucked up a ton. But, like, we're back. There's a good franchise here. There's a cool character here. There's a great universe here. I actually really like Neo Cortex, too, the villain. I, I think he's I think oh. he's fucking hilarious. He's lo- no, it's like, and the thing is, they're not so much villains as they are, like, frenemies. It's like... Yeah, you're they, right. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's... Uh, yeah, but the one thing I was going to say, I think it's funny about the, the fact that the one they released on the PS4 is called Crash Bandicoot 4. It's like, hey guys, let's forget about those like eight games we made in between Crash Three and Crash Four. Yeah, so it's just like they just jump instead of like Crash Bandicoot Eleven or Twelve. It's like, oh no, we're just gonna call it Crash Four. We're gonna, it's gonna tell them that we're going back to our roots, and uh, they just like erased all that middle stuff from history. Yeah, I, th- I thought that too. That they were just like, oh no, well, they're ah, fuck, it, just we we didn't, none of those happened. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that's fuck. I think that's I I thought the exact same thing because I love the name. It's about time. That's such a clever name because the game involves time yeah. travel, but it's also it's been so long, and I I love it. But uh, but I agree with you. I was like, I get that this is Crash Four, but like really, this is like Crash Sixteen. Like what the fuck? Like yeah. what happened here? Um, but they made a good one, and I'm so glad that he's back. And I'm I'm praying to God that they don't just throw this franchise away again. Cause like you have a good, they're, they're, I'm telling you guys all right now, the people can hate on crash all they want. This goes back to the original trilogy as well. These games play surprisingly well. They're deep, challenging platformers. Crash is a great character. The games, dude, I'm looking at screenshots of the original crash bandicoot on, not the remastered, but the original game right now on my, on my, on my computer. It holds it, up. It looks good. I get it. looks a little pixely. Every game from that era did like the, or poly, you know, it just made out of a bunch of squares glued together. But it looks surprisingly decent. It's bright and colorful. It reminds me of Donkey Kong like, Country. Yeah, like, it's like when you're like, wow, what was this like 25 years ago? And it's looked, and that's what it looked like 25 years ago. Yeah, like that's insane. And then, but but, and then I remember when I loaded up the uh, Mario 3D World All Stars or whatever. My first thought is, this looks terrible. Yeah, agreed. Like, agreed. Was, yeah. Yeah. Whereas, like, I'm looking at screenshots of this right now, and I'm like, if I was walking through a store right now, and this was playing on a TV, it would get my attention. Because, and I think a big part of it, not knowing anything about game development, I think a big part of it is the way they stay on the rails with the game makes it so that they can make the the environment around him much more detailed and colorful because they don't have to worry about having the whole world load up and be colorful at once just that just this little alley through the jungle um or or through the fortress or wherever the fuck it is you're playing right now and it looks really good i love dude i love the design of crash he looks like such a cartoon character like the like his tiny yeah. little hips with his big bright kind of colorful over the top sneakers and then he's got those biker gloves and his giant head and, and just like- and the different size pupils. And- <laughs> yeah, like he just looks like it. I, I got a lot of t- like I'm 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 really floored they didn't do more with this franchise as far as like a cartoon or something because he just looks like he should be doing more. Like he's he doesn't look stupid, dude. There's been so many horrible animal video game mascots like that fucking Acro the Acrobat or whatever Bubsy. I, I love Bubsy, but Bubsy, oh, Bubsy sucks. Yeah fucking what was his name remember the the fucking iguana was it dex or jex or jax oh uh dex i know the one you're do you know who i'm about talking that, about yeah. he has like the leather yeah, jacket Gex. g-e-x it looks like it looks like you're about to save 15 percent on your car insurance yes exactly like there's so many yeah. stupid animal mascots and like let's all call a spade a spade all of these are companies trying to make their own sonic 
Like that's all, all mm-hmm. of them are trying to do is pick an animal, make the animal cool. And, and, and to me, crash was the one that worked. One of my buddies said that he's the poochie of gaming. And I was like, I, I mean, I get the comparison, but like crash is way cooler than poochie. Like there's a, there's a serviceable franchise. Oh, Simpsons here. reference. You're talking about Simpsons poochie, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I got it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like, I just, I think he's like, I just, I, I liked him in 1996. I would have been 13 and I was the exact demographic they were aiming this guy at. And I had grown up loving Mario and I thought his commercials were awesome. I love the Sega commercials where they took shots at Nintendo too. I think that's such a great, I, I love when companies do that stuff. Nintendo never does that. They don't but do I, that so much anymore. Yeah. No, no, but I love that they used now, to. Now you're seeing, now you're seeing like PlayStation tweet Xbox on like, good luck on your release this week. Yeah. Now they're all friends. And I'm like, go back to yeah. like fucking making fun of each other. I liked that. Um, like that South Park episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like I like that so much better. And just I really love this franchise, you guys. I hope that I, I don't know how much of this was about the original game and how much of this was about the Crash Bandicoot franchise, but it's yeah, just such. A, no, no, I love it, man. <laughs> I I I I would I say this all the time. I would play a new Mega Man every year if they just released a new eight bit Mega Man game every year. I would always I would even hesitate. I would buy it without thinking about it. Uh, I would do the same thing with a Mario game every year. And I, frankly, I would do the same thing with a crash game every year. Like I would, I would just keep buying these games. Like if they, I don't buy DLC practically ever. And if they drop DLC for crash four, I will buy it. Cause I think that game is mm. fucking so good. And I'm like, dude, this is, it feels, and we're going to wrap it up on this, but like, you've been playing the new one as well, Darren, like tell me this new one feels exactly like the old ones. It just looks way better. Yes. Like, yeah, they 100%. nailed it. And I, what I, and they just kind of do such a good job shifting between like the side scroller to the like that kind of running into perspective. Like they, they do such a good job with the new one. Yeah, and so if you like the original three, you'll like the new one. If you didn't like the original three, this not this one's not going to convince you. It doesn't do anything different. It's not going to convince you to like it. Um, I'm just so glad this franchise is back. And honestly, playing this one kind of this new one kind of took me back to being a teenager and playing the original one because i remember playing this on my playstation and i never liked sonic back in the day i liked the character but i never liked the games but i remember playing this one back in the day and being like this was the first like non-nintendo platformer that really i was like oh so other people like this is fucking rad like i really like it and i've i've loved this franchise since the commercials are fucking hilarious crash is awesome cortex is rad i could take or leave his sister i think she kind of sucks Coco, but that's just me. Um, she feels like a Dixie Kong ripoff, and I love Dixie Kong, but I don't like Coco. Um, mm. I don't know, man. Before we score this, did I miss? Is you got any? Is there anything else? You got any thoughts? Is there anything else? Uh, you say no, about I this? think I think pretty much everything I wrote down that I wanted to talk about kind of came up organically, except the last thing, which I'll bring up in my uh, rating of it. Okay, well then let's get into that. Let's score. So I, I'm trying to. There was 32 levels, so we'll score this thing out of 32. So go for it. Whatever you get, what it, closing I'll, arguments. I'll give. A, I guess uh, if I'm doing just Crash Bandicoot one and we're not doing the franchise, I guess I'd probably give it like a twenty nine thirty out of thirty two. Okay. Uh, the one, even though like the uh, images and like the pictures and the animation kind of hold up, considering it's twenty five years old. Uh, the one thing that was kind of frustrating, or not frustrating, but a little bit surprising when I actually played the original one is the controllers are so much more choppy and the remakes did a good job of fixing that. 
Cause like there's some where you're trying to get every single box that they have like the row of boxes and you're trying to jump just one space ahead each time. It's, it's, it's a little bit clunky in the controls compared to like the remakes. But I think if I were to go back in time, I wouldn't really be complaining after playing Mario 64. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, uh, I'd probably give it like, yeah, about a 29 or 30 out of 32. I, one of my favorite franchises, one of my favorite games of all time. I was, Thanks for having me do this one. But yeah, I'd say probably a 29, 30 out of 32. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably go in around that. Originally I was thinking, yeah, like 30, but I was like, well, I mean, I really do hate those colored crystals. They fucking irritate me. And I don't like the, the time. Yeah. I'd probably go. Cause I hate the time trials. I'd probably go around that. Like, yeah, 20, 27, 28. I, I really like it. I, I do agree with what you're saying, dude. Having not played the originals in a long time, I I, I feel like this is one of those franchises where the remakes of the original trilogy have somewhat rendered the original trilogy obsolete. Like there's really no reason other than nostalgia to go back and play them when you could play the remastered ones now. Yeah. Um, outside of if you want to be nostalgic and go back and play them. And actually I felt the same way about Mario 64. I feel like that's part of the reason it clicked with me better was because instead of having to use that fucking monstrosity of a controller, I played it on my <laughs> Switch with my Pro Controller. And I had a real controller in my hands and it made such a difference. Um, but yeah, that said, dude, like, yeah, I, dude, these are some of the rare games my girlfriend played with me back in the day. Uh, we had, I guess when I was game collecting, I had a PlayStation with these games and we would sit down and play them together and she couldn't beat them because uh, she was, uh, she, if she was here, she would agree. She sucks at video games. Um, but she's still like, they were just fun. They're fun platformers. I don't care what anyone says. Platforming's my jam. And I will die on this hill that from a pure quality standpoint, the Crash Bandicoot games are not that far off the Mario games. They're not as good. Like I'll take Super Mario World over any of the Crash games, but they can hold their own. Like there's a, they're quality, good, solid platforming games. And if you've never played them, I cannot recommend it enough. At least pick up the, the insane trilogy the remasters at least pick those up they're dirt cheap they're on everything now yeah yeah and there's there's three good albeit hard video games in there fucking and god please support this franchise so we get a crash five please god support this franchise you guys good stuff darren how's an hour plus of crash bandicoot talk that makes that makes my day that's fucking good shit thank you for doing this buddy yeah thank you adam gonna do it for this week's episode darren thank you so much for giving me a call and talking a little bit of crash fucking bandicoot and every single one of you listening right now thank you so much for listening to remember the game if you're enjoying what we do i know i bring it up all the time you guys but please consider supporting us on patreon it's two bucks for a month it helps me you get a ton of extra podcasts you get a shout out a whole bunch of extra things this sunday's episode of expansion pass is going to be our gaming resolutions and then next week is going to be our game of my game of the year episode. So, and then there's like 50 old episodes waiting for you too. Plus you get access to our discord, our Patreon poll for the month of January is going to be going live in the first week of January where you guys pick a game we cover on the show. And this month is going to be all RPGs on the poll. So one of the RPGs that you guys have been up my ass to play will finally get played. So two bucks a month, patreon.com slash remember the game. You can help do all that. Uh, I have a PO box. You can find the full address at remember the game podcast.com, but it's PO box six, nine, one, eight, one Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, T six V one G seven. Just shoot me a postcard, a letter, something telling me where you're from and that you're listening from some weird place. That's not Edmonton. I'll shoot you back. Remember the game postcard and we'll be friends. 
uh, and check me out on Twitch. I stream over there every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday night from 8 to 11 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, including New Year's Eve. Uh, so come by and say hi. I spend more time chatting with the chat than I do actually play the game. It's a lot of fun. And uh, that'll do it. Game Patch 19.0 hits uh, the, the Patreon feeds Friday morning. It'll hit free feeds Monday morning. Expansion Pass will be up on Sunday. And I'll be back in seven days with episode 130. I remember the game as we continue our takeover of the retro gaming podcast universe. Thanks for listening, you guys, and I will talk to you all again soon. Cheers. Remember the game is brought to you by our Patreons. I could not produce three podcasts a week, plus three streams a week, plus Let's Plays, plus all the other crap I do, and be able to afford to eat food without all of your support. So I would like to take a moment to thank every single person that has supported us at patreon.com slash remember the game in the month of December, including that one kid Nick, Potato Bob Guy, Mad Shibs, Aaron Lawson, Adam Anderson, Adam Beasley, Adam O'Sharello, Alan C., Alex Martinez, Amy Gillen, Andre, Andrew Wright, Andy Baker, April Zane, Arpad Bodos, Ashley Cronenbitter, Badar Barhumi, Ben Buya, Ben Busha, Ben Drinkin, Bradley McHugh, Brandon O'Brien, Brian McKay, Brian Medeiros, Brian Ransom, Bullfrog, Charlie M, Chris Campbell, Chris Fleury, Chris Wilson, Christopher Russell, Chuck Schlarp, Corey, Craig Rutt, Crash Bandiquit, Chris Knife 007, Dan T, Dana Wutrell, Danny Vega, Dario Oman, Dave L, Dave McGee, Dave Thompson, David Ray, David Schnatterer, Desert Tortoise, Divalk, Duhau, Dominic S. Thompson, Doug Dorn, Doxer, Dylan, Eric Canard, Evan Refuse, Fraser Burns, Freddie Bovenkirk, Gary C., Geek Life Radio, Grant Robertson, Grimpy, Andre SGA Flash, James Anderson, James Clark, Jared, Jason Adams, Jason Cortez, Jay Clutch, Jeff Johnson from Game on GNT, Jeffrey Mathis, Jer Bear, Joe Buck, Joe Gillespie, Joe Mack, John Doskis, John Quack, Jordan, Josh Morgan, Josh from Press Start to Join Podcast, Kate Roberts, Casey Rarick, Keegs, Kevin Chincholo, Kevin Donlin, Kevin Hufford, CryptoVox, Kyle Paul, Lane Orr, Leon Napscog, Les Winan, Luca, Mackenzie Wheeler, Makeshift Money, Make, Mark Jones, Mark McHugh, Mark 209, Martin Greenwood, Matt McLean, Matthew Davis, Michael Mathis, Michael Hegg, Mike Malawaney, Miklos Blackshaw, Miles from BringBackRetro.com, Morgan, MPG in Buffalo, Mr. Satan, Mr. Impressive, Mr. Nick, Wolverine Films, Nathan Combs, Nathan Tromblay, Nathan W., Nick Sills, No One Cares, Pat Duddy, PB McFadden, Peeves, Raging Demon, Retro Ghosty Ghost, Rex, Robert Fuchsia, Robert L., Rome 21, Ryan Bayshore, Ryan Kinchin, Ryan Yeager, Scott Brooks, Scott V., Sean Razine, Sharonic, Silver Grunion, Slick Rick, Starro Probin, Stupid Monkey, Super Mary Ho, The Giraffe, The T-Word, They Call Me Badger, Thomas D. Reynolds, Tim L., Tim Riel, Todd, Tom, Tony, Tony Shiraschetti, Travis, Trevor Hillier, Tyler, Very Cool Dude, Vincent L., Vladstein, Whiteboro, Wyman Brooks, Xwater, Yamcha, and Zane Donovan. That one was pretty good. Thanks for listening. You guys are the fucking best. I'll talk to you all again soon. Cheers. (laughs) 